You just came back from the land of whiskey. I came back from the land of whiskey, the land of really good pints, pasta? and the land a pasta too. Honestly, maybe it's because of where I grew up. Maybe because I grew up in an Italian neighborhood. If there was one thing that I feel that was not as different as what I was used to was probably the food in Italy to where I grew up, the food I had growing up. Sorry, it was different? Or it wasn't it was as not? different as I thought it'd be. I thought it would be a very, very good Italian restaurant in Vancouver can get very good to a good Italian restaurant in Italy, in my humble opinion. I think that people say you have to go there to try it or doing food. Like, listen, if you're at an East Side Mario's in... <laughs> Fucking Saskatchewan. Bread garden. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Like I get it why you think, you know, this chicken Alfredo's kind of shitty. Like I get that. But like we are blessed with like Asian food, Italian food, Indian food. Like we our Indian food game is so good and we take it for granted so much. Like every like Indian food is amazing here. But like what most people, especially outside of major cities, <laughs> their like ethnic foods are kind of like, you know, Mr. Walk or like the curry house, stuff like that, you know? Honestly, when you travel in North America, it uh, is really eye-opening how shitty food is in most parts of, of the continent. Yeah. In Vancouver, we are hilariously blessed with so many different cultures. Phenomenal food. I know. It's unbelievable. Like, go to Palm, we're going to Palm Springs in a couple of weeks. Yeah. There's no good pasta there. Uh, let me correct that. There's a couple of places that have decent pasta. But they're like sevens. They're like sevens. Exactly. Yeah. There is no good pizza there that we've had yet. And not we've yet. had some phenomenal pizza in Greater Vancouver. Yeah. I have not even found an Indian restaurant. I don't know if Indian people go to Palm Springs. There is, I haven't found a good Thai place. Yeah. There are so many good Thai places in Greater Vancouver. It's unbelievable. Pho place, like Vietnamese places, Ooh. unbelievable. Would you want to have pho in Palm Springs though? It's oh, like yeah, 42 true. degrees. It's so hot. <laughs> yeah, I'm a very seasonal soup person. Like if it, it has to get to a certain point. But no, uh, in Europe, yeah. So there was... If you were to take the drinks, land of scotch, land of wine, and the land of pints. And honestly, the pints there are better. They really are. And then you say, well, it's a draft beer. How does it get better, right? It, I don't know. It's better. They're bigger. They take a lot of, they take a lot of pride. <laughs> That's why they're better. They're they take bigger. a lot of pride. Like, if they won't send it out a shitty pint. Remember, I don't know where we were the other day. We ordered those Guinnesses. Should we name it or no? Was it a small family restaurant or was it a... It was here. Oh, yeah. No, I'd say don't name it. We're at, we're at, we're at a, a, a pub. <clears throat> a we're pub. A local pub. In the Tri-Cities. Yeah. Very disappointed with how they pour a Guinness. Yeah. They pour a Guinness. It was like four fingers of head. Like, <laughs> goddamn. And like, honestly, I get it. But like, you go there, like, they take a lot of pride in their pints. Like, they're like, they send it out. There's some old woman who's been pouring pints since she was five years old. She's 60 now. <laughs> she has 55 years of pint pouring. <laughs> she sends everything out perfectly every single time. So that was, yeah, that was incredible. Scotland was amazing. They love their scotch, man. I really want to hear about your tour because you rented a van. Me and Devin, we rented a, we rented a van and a Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> For what a whole the Scotsman's day. name? Graham. Graham? Yeah. Was Holy he legit? Shit. I'm going to send him this he podcast. He was legit. Buddy. Yeah, he's legit. He came in a kilt. He had like long like hair. He was like, he was like if Braveheart was 40 years older. Like he was like in his 60s. Really dirty Scottish accent. And yeah, we had him for the whole day. Just it, the two of you. Just the two of us. You, Devin, and G-Money. And Graham, yeah. <laughs> and it was the day of the Queen's funeral. So a lot of places were closed, right? You couldn't go to a lot of places. But he picked us up. He packed some lunches. And then in the back, he had like a basket, probably this big. It was probably about a dozen bottles of scotch in there. Hold on. Graham made you lunch? 
He made us sandwiches. And brought a basket of 12 scotches. Correct. And we didn't even eat the sandwiches because we just stopped at pubs along How the way. How much was this fucking Who bus? Who is man? this guy? Scottish, Scottish guy we got. Like, what do you mean you got? I don't know. The 12 scotches alone are worth, what, $1,000? Yeah, but we didn't drink the 12 bottles of scotch. We'd Can have you like, take them with you? Or just no, like no. He just, basically what happened was we wanted to see like the Highlands and all this stuff. This wasn't a, an affordable event. This was quite expensive. It wasn't a scotch tour. No, it was just we had the Scottish guy. Oh, I thought it was a scotch <laughs> tour. And, no, no. and then I'm thinking Graham's bringing 12 bottles of scotch to a scotch tour. I, maybe not 12. It's at least, at least 10 though. Uh, yeah, at least 10. And we, so basically what happened was the night before, he's like, well, what do you guys like? And me and Devin were like, well, we like scotch. Belvini. Yeah. Uh, we, well, yeah, there was like, there was a lot of scotch there. We like scotch. We like uh, basically scenery. Uh, we fucking love animals both of us as you know so he's like all right let's go so we just get in this thing and he, he was kind of like talking about like the history because scotland has like a very morbid dark but yet somehow cheer cheer cheery history it's a very weird place um like they've gone through some shit with the english like some actual like like you know bad shit and so their history is is incredible because it's so old it's you know thousands of years old it's it's older than canada by it's older than canada by at least a thousand years i'd say so he drives us around and, you know, so he'd be like, yeah, so this is where whatever maiden Mary, yeah, she was executed in front of everyone. And then we'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> and she'd be like, time for a dram. And a dram's a shot of scotch, right? So he would get out of the car. We'd be over some like Highland or something. And we'd be sitting there. At one point, I am not fucking with you. As we're having a scotch, he's like, can I sing you a song? And we're like, okay. So he just fucking. Bagpipes? No, no bagpipes. <sighs> But he, but he took out a little book and he's like, and he got to this one point and he just was like belted out a song while we're like sitting on this like cliff drinking scotch. It was quite, it was a moment I never thought I would experience, but I'm glad I did. Have you seen, I don't know why, this clearly reminded me of a show that I saw on Netflix that was people in Newfoundland that are fishermen that started a choir. Okay. Have you seen that show? No. Have you been to Newfoundland? Okay, well, nothing's going to surprise you. <laughs> Are you looking up the show? Yeah. It's on Netflix? Is it Fisherman's Friends? Yes. Yeah. Fisherman's Friends. You're, you're going to be hard-pressed to surprise me. They could be anything. I'm not So gonna... as soon as you said, like, Scotsman flipping through a book started to sing a song, that's what I thought of. It was a great show, actually. I a believe... movie. I think it was a movie. It was just one. Yes, yeah, a movie. movie. 2020. Newfoundlanders are a very special breed. There's nothing that so you, could, you could say anything in the world. You could say they trained fish to be an acquired. I'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know? You pump a culture full of rum for 200 years and the shit they come up with is crazy. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, Scotland was really, really, un like, I had no intention of going there. I was like, fuck it. Hmm. And then we decided to go there uh, because we didn't want to... Anyways, we were, we were going to go to France. We didn't want to go there. So we went to Scotland and, like, I'm really haunted as Fuck, man. If you go to some place and want to just see it haunted, you'll never find a place more haunted than Scotland. You'll never find it. You'll never... It's so crazy how haunted that place is. Like, we went on this ghost tour and they were like, this room you're standing in? We're like, yeah, it's really creepy. And like, this is the children's room. We're like, why? They're like, because 3,000 kids here died during the plague. And the room's like this size, right? 3,000 children died here. They're like, yeah, during the plague. This is where they used to put all the kids. We're like, wow, like that's... How could that not be haunted? It what just takes one. That? What year was that? The Black Plague. Now that was a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Oh, baby. <laughs> that, that, I think, wait, they're like 33% of Europe. Exactly. Um, I don't know when that was, but I want to say modern medicine was not a huge thing. No. 1349. 13? 
Mm-hmm. Wow. So was, what they would do was I was gonna say like seventeen something. I didn't know it was that long. One third of the population. One third. Of the yeah. So like millions and millions and millions of people. So what, they well, do, what was the population then? Oh, of, that's a good question. See, let's see. see how many people did Black Plague? But come? it wasn't just in Scotland. It was all through Europe, right? So so yeah, Spain, no, 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 I understand. Yeah. I understand. So it seemed to be a lot of people. They um, yeah, yeah, and they're like thirteen hundred compared to today population. You say like more than one million. More people? than a million people yeah. died. Yeah. So, so it's probably like four million population for all okay. of Scotland back then. But how about in Europe? How many people died in the Black Plague? It's, oh, it's going to be like... Oh, that was just Scotland. Yeah, I'm just looking at Scotland. Yeah, oh, dude, it was all... Like, England was rampaged by this thing. They used to take people. I learned this. If you had any sign of it, they'd be like, well, we got a test. So they're going to throw these people in the room together. And all it takes is one of those motherfuckers to have this thing. They all open the room two weeks later. They're all dead. They're like, oh, they must have had it. Like, could you imagine being Bill and knowing that George has it? You'd be able to get locked in a room with this guy for two weeks. Now that, that's a lockdown. <laughs> So 75 to 200 million people in Europe. 75 to 200 That's million. They, so they have no fucking clue is what they're saying. No, no clue. That is a hilarious gap. Well, it is. It is like mm-hmm. over, it's like 700 years ago. I understand. Ago. Yeah, I it's a that. long time ago. A lot, of, a lot of time for like <clears throat> scriptures to be burnt and shit. But and that, what was the total number of people that died in North America and for COVID? Like 75 to 100? No, no, it was more than that. It was like all in all North America, US and Canada. Probably it's somewhere in the six figures. There's three. There's over four hundred. Let's skip people. it because <laughs> let's. Uh, <clears throat> this topic is very controversial. <clears throat> okay, but anyway, Scotland's dope. They take their Scot- Scotch very seriously. Um, they they study. Oh, my mom's calling. They study it like they. You go to talk to anyone about Scotch. Like they they really know a lot. They like like you real estate. It's like every Scottish person in Scotch. It's interesting because I'm like slowly moving away from beer. Yeah. I, don't I think really, everyone gets that point, though. I don't really like the drunk that you get off beer, and I also do not like the hangover that you get off craft yeah. beer. It's very lethargic. Versus, like, heavy the drunk, drunk off yeah. scotch mm-hmm. and wine yeah. is so much different. And then even, like, vodka sodas, you feel so much better in the morning. Oh, tequila for me, man. So good. Tequila? Yep. Like, good tequila? Good tequila. What kind of tequila do you like? Uh, Jose Cuervo. <laughs> Come on. The good kind. <laughs> Come on. I'm pretty sure tequila... <laughs> It's actually interesting because I want to get more into tequila because yeah. I don't know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. I've had Casamigos, which I thought was very, very good, and you can drink it straight. But I haven't really had many others. I heard that tequila this year took over vodka as the number one spirit in the United States. Really? There's so many famous first, actors yeah, for the first time ever with tequila brands now. Well, right? Casamigos is uh, Clooney, George Clooney. That's right. And you got Terramania or whatever, mm-hmm. and the fucking The Rock one. The Rock? They just need more money poured into the spirits. George Clooney sold that <clears> company for a billion dollars. Might as well not even act, just start a tequila Of course, you know how many movies he has to do to make a billion dollars? <coughs> even you're making $30 million a movie. Dude, his entire career wouldn't have been even close to a billion dollars. It's a shit ton of money. Um, good for maybe, good on him. Maybe three, maybe 33% of that? Like, what would, what would George Clooney's entire uh, contract of every movie he's been in? Half, t- maybe I, half a billion? No, I would, I would say, no, I'd say no, because this was... Before, this was he was mostly the '90s, and I'd say like probably less than 200 million. It's just his career earnings, just for movies. I'm gonna say it's sub 200 million. Dude, there's people that are making 40, 50, 60 million dollars a movie right now. I know, different times, man. You know what Fair. else is different it's times? Golf. People were selling golf CDs in the '90s. All like the Brian Adams, like uh, what's her name, Shania Twain. You know how much money they made compared to artists now? Share unbelievable amounts of totally. money. They'd sell CDs, right? They get two bucks a CD, sell. Three million CDs, you get six million, you know. 
like unbelievable compared to now who people who stream, right? They get such a such a small like fraction. I think people are making way more money now. Way less. I've looked into way it. Way more. Way less, man. Way more. No. The only way, way that people like that make money, like really <clears throat> successful people, is touring is now their number one. Because like they don't make money off as much money off the physical like like CDs. So or- you're discounting social media, YouTube, all the funds that they're getting from advertisements <coughs> that weren't there in the 90s? All I know is that if you look at the people... Maybe make- strictly off the CD, but the in today's world, I guarantee you that Ariana Grande is making a fuck ton more than any singer was in the 90s. She has like a billion followers on Instagram or something, like four or 500 million or something. No, I don't think so. Ariana Grande, look at how many followers she has. No, number one it's person in the world is right now. Cristiano Ronaldo. He has 224 million. Are she, is he the highest? There's yeah, no one higher. I one. thought Ariana Grande had a ridiculous amount. Deanne, she can't fact no, check dude. Deanne. She'll make a fucking computer She has 338 million. 338. What the fuck? There you go, yeah. Carl. God damn. I thought it was Cristiano. 338. It's funny because I don't really know who she is. I know she's small. That's all I know about her. <sighs> she is small. She has a hilariously good voice. Uh, what's it, How do you spell Cristiano? <laughs> C-R-I-S-T. I think he's 224 million. I think he's more than that, dude. He doesn't even come up. He might be. Oh, his his Instagram is Cristiano. He has four ninety five. Yeah, he's the most. He is number one. So someone like he has half a billion followers. Yeah. What is what is his uh, salary for football? It's not that crazy because he's old now. I think he makes around around a million dollars U.S. a week. So he makes so fifty two million a a year year, in salary. I would bet off endorsements and Instagram, he probably makes 150 to 200 million. Probably makes three times his salary. Yeah, I, I totally believe that. Well, like, yeah, he's all brand, right? He's like Beckham, all brand. Exactly. Think about it this way like, for the Super Bowl, it's $5 million for a 30 second ad, and around 100 million people are going to see that ad. The fuck you can times that by 10, man. He's yeah. getting billions. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. For a 30 second ad, these guys are posting stuff every day. I know, just a pair of jeans. That's all it is. Like that's 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 reach though. Like you want to reach people. Like you want your part, your product to be seen. Yeah. Like I can just give them these socks for one post. The most goddamn popular socks on planet Earth. Man, I was, I <laughs> pretty was, sweet socks though. I was listening to this thing. For, uh, this YouTube guy, Mister Beast or whatever. He's one of the biggest YouTubers yep. in the world. Yeah, yeah. You guys have heard of him, right? Yeah. And someone offered to buy his all his channels and everything for a billion dollars. Yeah. And he said absolutely not. And then they had guys look at everything that he's worth, all his channels, everything that he's made, and they say that it'd be worth closer to $20 billion with all the exposure that he has. Because like his channels are being translated and are being showed all over the world, and he just has billions and billions of views. It's he just... Well, that you know guy's what? such an interesting guy. He is. I listen, he, do you he, listen to him in a podcast? No, but I've seen him on other podcasters. He doesn't really care about money anymore because he's so fucking rich, right? He doesn't care at all. Yeah. He never really cared, though. I know. He lived in, like, an apartment until he got broken into a bunch of times. Yeah. So then he got a better... But he's not, like, that, like, you know, private yacht type of guy. But his biggest thing is, like, the more money he makes, the more he just puts back into his videos. And it just grows and grows and grows. Yeah. Exponentially just... What was that uh, Netflix show that was really popular that he did a show of? Something games. Uh, Squid Games? Squid Games. Yeah. He did a... Did you see that? He did a video on Squid Games. It was probably like some real life crazy one. production value. Oh, millions of dollars, man. Millions. Tens of millions, I think. I think how much money he put into it was hilarious. I don't understand how, how, like, look up that video on YouTube 
Yeah. I'm going to guess maybe it got a hundred million views, but he, he probably spent 10 or $15 million producing that. Is that, is that a video that you make money on or is that something you just break even? I don't understand the, uh, YouTube like monetary scale. I don't get it either. I don't know if it's YouTube paying him or yeah, I don't know. I guess it's all just done by ads and views. How many people are viewing that? Yeah, ad but like if he spent that for. much money, there's no chance. Like he would have to have way more than hundred million views. Like hundred million views is not that much in terms of, of like crazy amount of income. You know, it's cents per view. So look it up. So it's the <clears throat> what's it called? I guess he had three hundred one million views for this video. Squid Games, Mr. Beast. It's a $456,000 squid game in real life, right? That's the video. 301 million views. Yeah. He spent 500 well, grand on it. He only spent 500 grand. I remember him saying in the podcast it was millions of dollars. Because they had like full sets and like hundreds of people there, like squid games. It was like recreating a show, but putting it into like a 15 minute video. It's fascinating to give someone so young that much money and see what they do with it, right? Give someone that much money, like a 70 year old investment banker. He's going to be like, I'm going to get some dividend growth. This guy's like, I'm going <laughs> to fucking recreate Squid Games. Dude, I, I've heard like YouTubers that have just make so much money talk about it. And they like, they almost feel bad because it feel for them, it feels like they just, they've broken the system. Like they're just doing what they love and they just, just getting all this money thrown at them. Right? I know. Like. I watch a lot of cooking guys on YouTube who are like that. Like, yeah. you know, they just have so much money and yeah. they, they just. But they're just doing what they love, right? I know, they and the cook, money right? just shows up. Totally. It's just so much money. <laughs> so much money. God, they really did like figure out. But I'm, I'm guessing like the amount of kids or people trying to do that, mm -hmm. like yeah. it's quite, like there's a lot of people, right? Yeah. So. Speaking of people that made a lot of money in food, <laughs> did you ever meet Bonchi? I didn't meet him personally. But you went to his restaurant. Went to Bonchi. Went to. What was the other one called? Pepe and Granny. Pepe and Grana. Pepe was the star of the list. Pepe was the star. Pepe was... Noticeably better than other good pizza places you went to? It was, without a doubt, it's the type of thing where if you try it, right, you eat this pizza, right away, you know, without a doubt in your mind, there's no competition. This is the best pizza you've ever had in your life. There's no, like, thinking about it. It's like, it's the best. They, this place is an hour outside of Napoli. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's in Caserta. That's where, like, buffalo mozzarella, that's where San Rosano tomatoes, everything pizza is made from. That's where it comes from. And he basically took like down an alley overlooking, like, like down an alley, you couldn't even drive a car down. Like it's so small. Invested his life savings in this pizzeria in this town with 6,000 people, nothing there. The only way to get there is by a train, which when you think of train, you think of, you know, a caboose, an engine, cars. There's just one. It was just one thing. It had an engine, the caboose, it was all just one train. It was no separate cars. It drives you in the mountain with an old shitty diesel engine just fucking getting you up there. <laughs> then you get up there and the whole town is just surrounded by, by like this, this pizza. You take this pizza place out of this town. The town is not, doesn't exist. What is the town called? Uh, Cayazzo? Cayazzo. C-A-I-Z-Z-O. I think. It's in Caserta. Do I people think it's stay there to go to the not, pizza place? Not, or they just go there, no, eat the pizza, and get the fuck out? No, you have to, because you're taking a, an hour tr dodgy train into the mountains. You stay there, right? But before you open that place, the, I, was, I was talking to the barista at the cafe, and she was saying before this place was open, there was fuck all here. There was no Airbnbs. There's no hotels. There's no bars. There's nothing, right? There's farmers, a bunch of farmers. There's a cow and a couple goats, right? But he opens this place, and like 
Now there's Airbnbs, there's bed and breakfasts, there's bars, there's cafes everywhere. There's other pizzerias and restaurants, you know, it's kind of interesting. It kind of reminds me of like small town university towns where you take the university to that fucking thing. There's nothing there. Like there's no use to go there. Right. But that university students come there, seven, 10,000 people. All of a sudden you have restaurants. Like it's, it's like the, it's like the most like basic economics. You know, you bring like, we want to bring money, bring a bunch of people there. And shit's gonna pop off. You're gonna have there's there, there's a trickle down, right? That's like where I went to university. In North States. Dakota, yeah. There, the town was Grand Forks, and there was thirty thousand people there, and fifteen thousand was the university. And the sports uh, was huge. So basketball was like the lower down sport there, but we would have like three thousand people come to our games. The hockey stadium would sell out every game, which was like twelve or thirteen thousand. North Dakota is very close to Canada, isn't it? It's like by Minnesota. It's like. Yeah, it's like three hours south of Winnipeg. Yeah, okay. But it's exactly what you're describing, is that, like, if that university doesn't exist, the hockey team doesn't exist. Yeah. That town is probably, like, five or 6,000 people of... The restaurants would have shit. You know, it's just, like, people bring in money, right? Yeah. That's why Vegas is such a cool concept, because you got this kind of place that's in the middle of nowhere, and you get people from all over the world working their ass off to pick up money. They pick it up, like, they pick it up, credit card... They take it to Vegas and they just drop their money in that city. It's a very good idea economically because people are making money out other places and they're simply just coming to your place simply just to drop tens, hundreds of millions of dollars. And they go back, work their jobs in Korea, Italy, Canada, and they go to this one place and drop all their money. I do not understand that whatsoever. Vegas never appealed to me. Me neither. I've been there two or three times. Not my thing either. I just don't understand. I don't. I'll play poker for like a hundred bucks. Yeah. And lose it and be like, all right. I'd it's like, like I'd rather go to a nice restaurant and eat good food. Me too. I, I don't get Vegas either, but or go play golf in the morning. Yeah, pe- people love Vegas. There's like people who love Vegas, love Vegas. I, for me, I, I when I get there, everything smells like smoke. Like you go to like the shittiest buffet, it's like eighty bucks US. You're just like, what the hell is this? You know, my you know Devin's just pumping twenties into the slot machine. Just, <laughs> just like, get me the hell out of this place. <laughs> oh God, bless her. No, yeah, it's not for me. It's kind of very industrial, you know, like there's like lots of concrete. There's no natural scenery. Yeah. I just yeah. don't like the casino thing. I don't like how you walk through and the lights are so bright and the like noise of the slot machines. I don't like anything about it. I don't I want to be on my own in the sun, playing golf, chilling, having a vodka soda, have a couple of my friends there. That's it. I don't want thousands and thousands of people who are trying to be like the, it's just so fake to me. I, yeah. It's, it's everyone a, that is there is fake boobs and makeup and like try totally. all the dudes are there trying to show that they're wealthy by reserving a cabana and giving a girl a vodka soda out of their bottle. It was of $17. Like, like, yeah, no, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I hate everything about it. I, me too. It's, it's kind of <laughs> disgusting actually. It's kind of like the, the worst of humanity, but <laughs> If you, if there is a like glass half full about Vegas, if you are someone who likes to people watch, man, you can see some crazy shit there. If you just like the people watch, shitty people watching though. No, it's watching shit people. No, I know, but it doesn't like, man, Jerry Springer made a a fucking career putting shitty people on a screen, fighting each other, throwing shit. Like Vegas is the same shit. It's just a bunch of crazy people doing crazy shit. I just sit back and watch, just sit back and just watch the action, you know? People like, you know, people just so like, I've seen people get carried through hotels back to their room, (laughs) physically carried. 
like adults, like 50 year olds getting carried. It's like, man, what the hell are you guys doing here, man? I can't stand it. Yeah, it's not for me. It just either. frustrates me. But if you're talking about economic, like, you know, like it works really, really well for what it does. It makes a lot of money in that place. Fair. I went to, I, I would honestly, I have no intention of going back there. <laughs> neither do I. If I was to go back there, I'd maybe just try some golf courses, but I have no intention. Totally. What's that? Wolf Creek. Yeah, like desert courses are that pretty one. cool. I want to play that one, but when, that's it. When I was there last time, there was, uh, there was a problem checking in, and the people were like, hey, we're sorry, sir. Here's a voucher for the buffet. This was the MGM. And the, like, you know, I looked at the voucher. It's like, you know, value 80 bucks. I'm like, well, this is going to be an incredible meal, right? This was, I would not have paid $3 for this. I wouldn't have. I've never seen, like, and the people, like, you know, Americans, right? Just fucking hammering mashed potatoes and just like tater tots and shit. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, that's, like, save your calories for, like, these amazing restaurants. Like, don't, and you know, just going up, back and forth, back and forth. And I just, I, like, I think I had, like, a plate of, like, bacon and eggs and left. I was like, I can't It's a that. volume thing there. It's, and, like. It's not a quality thing. And the thing is, like, in, like, with Americans, right? Like, to make sense of that, volume-wise, you got to be a big lad. Like, you got to be hundreds and hundreds of pounds. You know? <laughs> For me, it made no sense whatsoever. I really want to visit Bonchi. Bonchi? Mm-hmm. Bonchi? Where would you put that in? Where would you rank that pizza? It's a different style of pizza. Different it's sti- not so it's the a same role, it's, as it's Pepe a, or whatever. Right. So called. Pepe and Granny is uh, like Napolitana style, right? So like the traditional Italian style. Uh, Roman style pizza, it's much more unrefined. You know, you can, you can, you put it in a box, you can take it to go. Like, it's not like this thing where like, holy fuck, the basil fell off, fire the waiter. You know what I mean? It's not like such an art. Um, Bonchi for me, like the dough is incredible. It's really good. It's obviously a very famous place, but like for me, I really like digestible pizzas. So I like the Napolitana style. If you like the Roman style pizzas, it's really good. They're more like focaccia almost. You know what I mean? It's more like like thicker, doughier, crisp bottom. Man, people love that place. Lineup was huge. It's it's so crazy when you see places on TV all the time, and then you go to them. It's like you know, it's thirty feet wide, but you've seen so many pictures and so many. It's like Katz's Deli, right in New York. You just see so many pictures of this place. And you go there. It's not quite. It's not like a Costco size. It's the size of a restaurant. <laughs> you know, it's fascinating shit, man. What do you think of that guy's story? <sighs> Bonchi? Did you watch you watch a Netflix thing where yeah. he was like on all these infomercial like TV shows? Where things? he became his character and yeah. he was like clinically depressed, yeah. drinking drugs. I think that like people who are that outside the norm of what they do, no matter what they do, I think in general that they're gonna have issues between separating themselves and their jobs. And I just think that that's part of what it was. He was a big lad too. He got big. Really big. But then he sucked back a bunch of drugs and trimmed right back down. <laughs> The old, yeah, the old cocaine diet. Yeah, no, he, uh, the, but honest, realistically, the pizza was really good. Um, the one thing about being an Italian food is like, it's really hard to get a bad meal, but I don't think it's that much different than a really good Italian restaurant. That place, New West on 6th Street, I would say that would, that would fight some of the restaurants there. Right across from 6th Street Grill. Ooh, uh, so, uh, so Artuzzi. Artuzzi. I would say, I'd say Artuzzi in New Westminster. For pasta. Yeah. They're pretty good pasta. Good pasta. You put that in Italy, you put that in Rome, it's going to be fighting those other restaurants because I think it, I think it com- compares. Have you tried Henry's in Port Moody yet? No, I've not. Henry's in Port Moody is top three pastas I've had in BC. 
I've heard of it. It's like really hard to get a reservation, isn't it? Yes. Henry's is, is like what I love about small restaurants. So they're only open three days a week. They, if you want to take out or make a reservation to go in there and eat, you have to email them the day before at least. You need to pre-order. It's just a husband and wife that work there. The wife like serves and makes drinks and stuff. The husband is the cook in the background. And I think he worked at like some really, really high end restaurants and he's just like, fuck it. I don't like this corporate bullshit and started his own thing. But the food quality is so good. For him, it's probably such a passion thing, right? Highly, 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 highly suggest. You live so close now too. Yeah. You can easily pick it up or go there for dinner with Devin on Friday night or something. Yeah. I, I love people who are passionate about their food. That's what's like, you can look at it as a numbers thing if you run a restaurant. Or you can look at it as like, you know, some people, they just love, you know, I find a lot of people like that are barbecue people in the States who do barbecue. They're so passionate about what mm. they do. Like they're so, they just love it so much. So I have a job to them, right? They just want to do it. And like, it really like transcends into like what you eat. And I think that's for like certain restaurants. Sometimes you go to places and it's all about margins, right? The margin on this, the margin on that. Cactus Club? Yeah. Like Earl, like it's a, ma- <laughs> it's a massive corporation, like, you know, big corporations, Earl's Cactus Club. You're not going to go there like for like a meal that's going to blow your mind, right? Where there are restaurants, they're kind of hidden. Speaking of this, you know, they're Michelin, there. the Michelin people came to Vancouver, right? Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah, I did. I saw you. They haven't been here for a long time. They've never been here before. They just were in Toronto. That is a very long time. Then they were in Vancouver. And uh, yeah, there's like eight Michelin star restaurants in Vancouver now. Eight. There's eight. Can you name any of them? Yes. What? Kisitanto. Where's that? That's Japanese uh, Italian fusion. What does that mean? Like if you mix like Japanese and Italian food, fusion, that's the, their menu. Do you want some, Carl? Say that one more time. We'll say what? I don't, I don't even understand how those to go together. So like, for example, so here, 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 here's something, okay? Like, like a fusion dish would be like a... Like a carbonara katsu, you know, like you take something Japanese katsu, you take carbonara and you somehow make it like work, you know? I'm just picking two arbitrary things. I don't even know yeah, what the fuck that would look like, yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean? Well, I've been trying to get a reservation there for three months. You can only book 30 days out. You can never get one. Mm. Um, I think published on Maine got one. Don't know that one. Anyone you've been to? Published on Maine. What kind of food is that? It's like, it's like, I think it's the idea is like 100 mile food. Like the ingredients are all within 100 miles. I think that's what it is. It's like Canadian, like elevated Canadian style. Like it's nothing for me. It's like, it's pretty good for me. It's not like I went to a Michelin star restaurant in London and I ate this meal and I knew when I left, I'm like, that will probably I'll die. My life will be over in 50, 60, 70 years. And that'll be the best meal I've ever had. No doubt about it. I have no, like nothing. That's it. I knew it. It was the best meal I've ever had. And I can't see anything coming close to that. Is that a slightly depressing thing to realize? Dude, no, man. That meal was so good. It was forever. It will never be better. I don't see how it could possibly be better. Like, you know how you never rate something 10 out of 10 because you don't know everything out there? I don't know how to not rate a 10 out of 10. It was the best meal I've ever had. It was like flavors that I didn't even know existed. Like, they're like, you know, like, there's just one thing I'll never forget. Like, even the simplest thing, the simplest thing in this place. It's called Muse by Tom Aiken, was the chef. He was the youngest Michelin star chef ever in England. I think he was like 36 when he got his Michelin star. Even the bread and butter. So the bread, obviously they have a baker in there. He's been baking their whole life. They make this brilliant sourdough. Okay. 
A lot of people can do this. And they're saying, the chef's saying what they do with their butter is they purposely let it spoil and then they reculture it. So it's almost like a mixture of cheese and butter. And you put it on, you're like, wow, that sounds really fucked up. And you eat it, you're like, wow, this is the best bread and butter I've ever had in my life. And they're like, we know. And I was like, damn. And every, it was like a 15 course meal and every single course was like that. Who are these Michelin pricks? So, you know, the, the car company, the tire people. Yeah, I, I know who that is. But basically, these guys used to travel around a lot and they started a guide rating restaurants. I think it was in the States because they're always traveling. And that is the fucking world standard of, of restaurants. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a Michelin some, man doing it. Just dude. some dudes that made fucking tires that are like, well, I think what happened was. Why can't me and you do that? We probably could, but I don't know if we'd have the same. Like, it'd probably take us 100 years to get that kind of prestige. We probably could try. <laughs> like, it started with these two guys being like, yeah, I've had, I went to, in the last year, 365 days, I went to 330 restaurants. Everyone's like, holy shit. There's traveling all around the country. So, like, well, what was the best? And they, they would rate them all, right? I think this is what happened. I could be making this up. I have no idea. I think this is what happened. It. Yeah, because uh, Michelin is a French tire company. So it all started with the French. Okay, then it started in the French. Yeah, there you go. Well, and like it's the very duck basic. Confit. Yeah, I love duck confit. It started <laughs> so it must have started with like fine dining, refined dining, and then yeah, like they and the thing with people think like when they think of Michelin, they think of firstly you can tell I'm very passionate about this. I love this shit. Yeah. Um, they think it's all going to be like you know thousand dollar meals, right? Like fine, like really you know bottle of wines too fit. Like they think it's all like that. There's Michelin star restaurants that are like some guy roasting a duck in Bangkok and it costs $4 and they, it's a, it has Michelin stars because it's like that good. Another one of the place, ironically in Vancouver is a duck roasting place. <laughs> they got a Michelin star. Yeah. There's eight of them. They, uh, do you think that the, I actually had a rezzo for one tomorrow night, but I couldn't go anymore because of change of plans. Where? I think, I think it's, I think it's either. So they have the stars. Can I take the rezzo? Sure. Did you cancel it? Not yet. Sweet. I got a date tomorrow. Okay, sweet. Go. So it's called, so they have like the stars and they have like that didn't quite get stars, but they're called like something in French, like some sort of nomination word. Like these are like, these are the people who didn't get star. You know what I mean? Like they didn't get the star, but they're like, is it the Bib Gourmand or whatever? I, I think that's it. Yeah. Participante. No, cause they go to a lot of places. Like there's a lot of people who don't make it. You just want to know the history of this whole thing? Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. So it was like, this started in 1900 when there was no cars on the roads. So Michelin, to sell tires, wanted people to drive around. They started making maps for places and, and restaurants and things for people to go. And it just held on since then. But it's 122 years old, this process. Yes. Huh. Have you seen the movie Chef? When the, when the, the you know, the, I think it's Chef. Like when they come in, like these people, it's a lot of goddamn pressure, man. You got one chance to serve this person a meal that's going to like put you on the map. You get a Michelin star. Basically good to retire. Like, you know, like you're, your business is going to go through the roof. I, like just when they got these Michelin stars, every one of these restaurants, you can't get in right now because everyone knows that experts have gone there. And like some of them are like really refined. Well, like if you have a better idea of expert, let me know. <laughs> Except for somebody who eats at the best restaurants around the world every day of their life. I don't like the term expert for stuff like that. Because it's that is so subjective. personalized. Agreed. Right? Like this fucking sommelier thing is, is a brilliant comparison here that like they're telling you what the good wine is and when they give it a 97 points or whatever bullshit scale they're using, the wine now that used to be $42 is now $72. Why? I don't even like that wine. True. It's but, shitty but, for me. It, but, it doesn't taste good. But I like the one in Okanagan. That was $37. Who gives a shit about the price? But like the wine quality well, the, doesn't well, change. The, the, the price is somewhat important in this because 
most things 99% of people know fuck all about, right? Nothing, right? So when you talk about like a $40, $42 bottle of wine, like that could be a really good bottle of wine. That could be a really bad bottle of wine. But you're pretty likely that a sommelier is not going to be, you know, recommending you, you know, Mission Hills Reserve or Naked Grape. You know what I mean? Like it really does eliminate that low end of the scale for the people who don't know shit about anything, about whatever it is, whether it's food, wine, cars, coffee. Coffee's a huge one too, right? Huge, yeah. Like coffee's, like there's coffee sommeliers now. I saw this thing on Instagram the other day about uh, making fun of people who make fun of people who put cream and sugar in their coffee. And I've never made fun of, I've never made fun of people who put cream and sugar in their coffee. But I do think it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's like drinking milkshake for breakfast. I've, I've never made fun of people for it. I just have never fucking understood it. But you're it's changing t- something that is so natural. First of all, if you try to get logic, how much effort it. goes into producing this cup of legit coffee at Elysian at like any of those like wicked coffee roasters in Greater Vancouver, Parallel 49. Preaching to the choir here. 49th Parallel, whatever it's called. There's so much good coffee and coffee to me is obsessive. I love the flavor, the aroma, the taste, everything about it. And you're throwing bullshit into it. So you just drink it straight black every time? 100% of the time. I mean, I've had lattes, but like very, very, very rarely. I can't remember the last time I had one. But the coffee is so creative and interesting. So niche, I and get it. Flavorful. And then you're just making it That's taste. like having a whiskey and pouring Co- fucking Coke, Coke and Clamato juice in it. What the fuck are we doing here? Dude, the thing though, the thing though. You might as well buy the Polarized dude, vodka and throw your Coke Being in a it. Canadian, okay? If you start going to these small towns and telling people that a double-double is shitty. It is shitty. They'll, 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 straight trash. They'll, they'll chase you out of that town. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Give no shits. That is the most ridiculous thing. I've no, ever. I hear you, man. I hear you. But I, I don't get it either because it makes everything taste like cream and sugar. Every coffee now tastes like cream and sugar. It could be up here. It could be instant coffee. It could be hotel coffee. It could be 7-Eleven coffee. It's the same. Anything. It's going to all taste like cream and sugar. I get it. But my point is fucking watch where you tread with that shit because people take that seriously because some people don't like being told how to drink their coffee. And that's why I don't tell people how to drink their coffee. I don't understand it. You know, same thing. What the fuck is with people eating processed peanut butter? Like Jif and Kraft? I don't get that either. I just don't get it. Like peanut butter is so good. Why are you filling it with sugar? Like sugar. I don't get it at all. The price difference isn't that crazy. One's $4.99, one's $5.99. Why don't you just get the real peanut butter? I don't understand it. Don't get it. But I go through phases where I eat a lot of peanut butter and then don't eat peanut butter for six months. And I'm currently in the phase where I haven't eaten peanut butter for six months. (laughs) But... But I do appreciate the real peanut butter, and it, to me, it tastes better. Of course. Well, it's, it's like the real thing. It's peanuts made into butter, and you put it on shit. But then when you start adding, like, look at, like, Kraft or something, there's just a bunch of shit in there. It's like the third ingredient's peanuts. It's like, all fillers, corn syrup. It's all, yeah, right? it's like, so weird. Yeah. But you know what? You can't say these things. You just got to You think. can say whatever the fuck you, you want. Just, this I, is the Denny podcast, and we have no filters. I just think them. I, I, if someone wants to do something, if there's they no cancellation here. So what's, to your go-to, what's your go-to yep. peanut butter, Adams? I think Adams yeah. is like the most well-known yeah, being for just a real peanut yeah. butter. But I actually think if you're like, especially if you're looking for like value peanut butter, like if you're a price-sensitive person mm-hmm. in the peanut butter economy, I think that a lot of big, big stores have it where you can literally take nuts and put them in that machine and, and it great. creates your peanut butter for you. And it's like a cost-efficient, no-name, real peanut butter product. It's probably tough to beat that taste, eh? You know, you want salted peanut butter? Put in salted nuts. 
You want unsalted peanut butter? Put in unsalted nuts. And that's the only thing you got to do. Kind of brilliant, actually. Yeah, no. That's one of those things I don't understand, man. But I also do, I know people who put, you know, Coke in fine whiskeys too. Like, I know that. Like, that shit just happens. Like, they're fucking whiskey. I really (laughs) get mad at people for that. When when someone brings it up in conversation and is defending the point of putting cream in coffee or shit in whiskey, I'll share my opinion. But I don't give a fuck if you screw up your whiskey. Go for it. Live your life. It's the same as the food thing. Same as wine. Totally. Everyone has a different palate. There are wineries in BC that I friggin' love that I'll keep going to for the rest of my life that I will order from and will stock and we should open one soon. But there's others that like are costing $100 that I've tasted and be like, man, I got a bottle of $27 totally. Pinot Noir in my fridge right now that is way better than that. But I think that also has to comes down to you knowing what you like and what you don't like, right? You, you got to try stuff to like course. figure it out. 100%. Or a lot so of people. that's all that the sommeliers do. They just try more wine than you. I agree. Right? But a lot of people kind of just do in terms of food and drink. And actually with a lot of things, they kind of just fall into what their parents did, right? So if your parents ate Jeff peanut butter, you're probably, you're, that's what you, you're used to, right? So that's what you're comfortable with, right? Mm-hmm. You don't even see the other brands. You just see what you had your whole life. But that's with everything, right? My dad drank Bud Light. Not my dad didn't drink Bud Light, but you know, people's dad drank Bud Light. Now I drink Bud Light. It's like, well, why the fuck do you drink Bud Light? I don't know. My dad drank Bud Light. <laughs> it's actually, honestly, I, I ask my clients a lot and I probably shouldn't do this, but they, they'll, they'll say like, this is what I'm, I've been doing. And I just say like, well, what's the reason? Like what? And it's very, Influence, very often. Well, this is what my, my parents did. Yeah. And then sometimes I talk to old people who... They say what their parents did and their kids are doing what the parents did. That they're, so now people are making financial strategies off post-World War II-like <laughs> situations, right? And I'm not shitting on this at all because, like, how are you supposed to know, right? But, like, the world with what we're dealing with right now, financially, it's so different than what it's ever been. And options, right? And people just doing what they – and like, that's why banks make so much money. They just put people in what their parents were in on everything. Yeah, going to this mutual fund – Charges you 3% a year's fees, but we'll manage it for you. Okay. Sounds good. What is the return? 6%. All right. Let's do it. So it's three. Yeah. Your, your return is 3%. Inflation's at 7%. And you're returning 3%. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it's really, it's really common. I see it every single day. And sometimes I'll have chats with clients and we'll just like laugh. We're like, holy shit. Like that. They'll be like, that is some crazy shit that we were been doing. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't advise it, but people do what they got to do. Like, or they do what they do because that's what they saw people do. It's easy to say because we're living this generational gap from our parents to us with the internet essentially coming in when we were, what, 12, 14, something like that. When the internet started gaining like commercial traction. Yeah. Has there ever been a bigger generational gap in terms of, like in your world on the financing side or financial side? Do you think looking back, like every generation has the, this gap where like your parents did one thing that doesn't necessarily relate to today? Or do you think that like this is, this is the difference right here? Going from being born in 1940 to being born in 1990 or 89 like we are, it just seems like that gap is so far apart and literally everything that my mom and dad did growing up is completely irrelevant to today. 
So I think that when you have that like paintbrush and you're painting it, I think that you can't just draw it at banking or finances or food or anything. I think that you took a generation who, if they wanted all the information, would have to buy a set of encyclopedias to a generation. Which they all had. <laughs> yeah, I, I had those in my house growing up. Yeah. But then you take a generation who can just get insane amounts of information. A lot of it incorrect, but you sure, it's still information before they even take a piss in the morning. They've woken up and they spent 10 minutes doing this. And like, you know, I remember like being younger, coming home with a fact, like, mom, did you know the most poisonous animal in the world is actually a frog? And everyone would be like, shit, a frog, really? <laughs> Dinner table on fire. Now it's like, everyone's like, yeah, everyone knows that. Or like, like you know, it's like, it's like this, this, this. There's just so much information. You know, someone's on their phone literally just spitting like facts and trends and like, we were just talking about Mr. Beast here is making a billion dollars a year. Some kids watching his video, like, holy shit, it's real life Hunger Games. It's wild, man. Yeah. The information, it's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. I was actually talking, yeah, I was talking to someone recently about, I got to like start starting my day better where I don't look at my phone for the first, like, or at least focus on what I look at the first 30 minutes. Because the other morning, woke up, it was a beautiful morning, it just snowed. The fireplace, I turned it on in the middle of the night, it was nice and warm, cuddling my dog, cuddling my girlfriend, open my phone. Literally open my phone, press one button. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of funny to say it, but it's like, okay, so I fucking open this thing, open it. And it's like, it's like CNN. It's basically like world climate experts say we are now about to enter the world's actual hell. I'm like, what? I click on it. They're like, the world's going to light on fire. We're all going to die. Basically, this is what it's saying, right? It's like irreversible damage. We're all fucked. I'm just like, ah. Oh. And like, that's, and like, that's why I kind of feel a little bit bad. And I'm working on my empathy, so you should know. But I feel a little bit bad for like kids who are like 10 to 15 right now. Cause like the amount of just shit they have to deal with and see, we didn't have to do that. Like it's so much negativity too. People constantly being negative, right? Like I was just looking at the news before I left about the midterm elections in the States. People are saying, and I don't know anything about either side, but people are saying that if a certain party wins, they're going to basically cause, start, what's it called? Or the government just, like fascism, like take over the country and they're going to kill everyone, basically. That's what they're saying. And I'm like, what? And I'm reading this. I'm like, this is horrible. And like, if I'm a 15-year-old or 14-year-old kid thinking that everyone is going to get like, bas- like, like, like Hitler's coming, you know? And it's a really scary thing. And that's just one, that's just me opening a, a conversation. That's one article. It's no for me, dog. No, I got to... Another thing I've done recently is I've really um, edited who I follow. I follow them, but I've muted them because I just, I'm tired of people's bullshit. So if there's someone who's just put like something like constant negativity, if someone's posting something idiotic and positive, like, uh, like I've been really into parrots recently on my, like, (laughs) like, uh, seriously, if you look at my newsfeed right now, it's all parrots. Like they're so funny. They talk like people. They like give their owners (laughs) kisses. It's so funny. And if someone posts a video like that, even if I hate parrots, um, I will still watch that. And it's made my day just a little bit brighter. It's like, it could be just a parrot, like telling a dog to fuck off, like fuck off Bowser. Like that's funny. But if it's like something negative, it's like, for me, I found recently starting to really weigh on my like overall happiness. So I try to like edit that as much as I can. Kind of a new thing I'm doing. I'll tell you one thing. I love living in the Tri-Cities. I never thought in a million years I'd say that. <clears throat> Growing up kind of like North Burnaby, East Van Border, for me, this was like where Picton was gathering people, you know? But like, it's really nice out here. It's peaceful. People are happy. 
like people are so kind. Someone was telling me, you know, <clears throat> my neighbor's telling me, if you ever see me park my car here, it means snows are coming, park your car here. I was like, thank you. <laughs> snows are coming. Oh, yeah. No, there's so many nice people out here. The Tri-Cities is different now. It is. It's, a, it's the vibe that like East Van had 25 years ago. It is like younger couples, younger families, people that are just like friendly and care about other people. I think East Van's a bit of a tougher vibe. I think that here is kind of like what Deep Cove was in the 90s. You know, like like little like shops and people and like the mountains. Sh- yeah, like the mountains and tributaries and stuff. That's a name for a water. I never river. went to Deep Cove in the 90s, so it's hard for me to compare. <laughs> I don't know, but and also the cool thing too. though is like here <laughs> Now in the Tri-Cities is like, you're starting to get like really nice restaurants and you're starting to get like really cool businesses, like the brewery district, right? 10 years ago, that didn't exist. So you're kind of getting this cool, like no wonder prices went up so much. It's kind of become a really cool place to go, right? Because growing up, it was like, fuck, got to take a bus out there. I always remember going to Coquitlam movie theater. Might as well have been going to Chilliwag. (laughs) 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 It's like, holy shit, going to Coquitlam movie theater. Now it's like my go-to. A new Bond flick. That's where you'll find me. Love that place. Yeah. No, I like the Tri-Cities a lot. Any good restaurant suggestions besides for Henri's? Yeah. <clears throat> Handful. How much time you got? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, best pizza in the Tri-Cities is Emilio Finati. I got to try that still. Best pasta in the Tri-Cities easily by far. Haven't had anything remotely close as Henry's. Okay. The... Best. The sushi place. So um, there's two really good Japanese places that I've had. One is in Porco Quitlam off of Shaughnessy that I can't remember the name of. I've been to one time. Is it Kisamoto? And I'll definitely go back. I can't remember. It's it. I think it has a Shaughnessy address. And the other one is uh, Hanayuki. That's what you is, told me about in Port Moody, right? Yeah, just uh, kind of by Newport Village. Really, really. The Oshi there. I had Oshi for the first time which is a remarkable concept. It's a block of uh, rice with avocado in the middle. And then there's a piece of raw fish on top, salmon, tuna, whatever kind of fish you want, torched. Sweet, sick. So it has this like char yeah, on I top. Love when they do and that then shit. they drizzle it with like whatever, whatever uh, that does you're ordering. Amazing. But like there's like a... There's like a hot sauce mayo on top or, or a teriyaki yeah. or something on top. God, that sounds so and good. And it was, the char on the fish is It unreal. makes me so hungry. Makes it's me so, so hungry. It's so good. The first place was uh, Kami, Kami, Sushi K Kamizoto. Kamizato. Kamizoto. Kamizato. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That sounds I'm right. a Sushi Mori guy. That, sushi Mori is where? Coquitlam? It's right by my pub. It's in that kitty corner by, yeah. um, it's really good. Have you had Hanayuki? I haven't. Have Hanayuki. I feel like I would like it more than Devin because she's all about like the beef teriyaki rolls. It's the same anywhere. I know. But the, the sushi is so good. Here. When you start it's getting to like so the fish good. stuff, yeah. like yeah. that's where like the, like the top place is. Mm. It's another level, man. The yam avocado roll is going to be the same anywhere. Totally. Maybe one yam is riper than the other yam, but <laughs> yeah. like it is what it is. You're right. When you get to the sushi, like you really, or when you get to like the sushimi, like that's where it's like it really exactly. shines. Exactly. I think me and you fundamentally disagree on faux places quite often though. I disagree with that. We like Saigon and North Burnaby, but for me, I like a very, very savory, dark broth. Where I feel like you and my brother, you like it a bit more herbal, cinnamony. Cinnamony. Because hmm. you like the place, you, your faux place 
Fuck, there's I can close even, by here. You like four ninety nine? Yeah, that's the one by Cook Home Center. Right? Yeah, yeah. The place that I like, if I was to even try to say what it was called, people would just label me a racist. It's like <laughs> it's like Viet. Slash, I have no fucking idea what. The Where hell. is it? It's right across. Oh shit, how do I even describe it? It's like okay, like where Coquitlam Center is. If you go east of there, off, I think it's Glen. There's like a commercial place with like a couple really cool things. There's like a Persian bakery where you get like that that Persian style bread, Iranian bread or whatever it's called. Okay. It comes in like a sheet, like these like really niche things. Um, the most famous restaurant in that area is called Singapore Hawker. They do Singapore Singaporean cuisine. They're like really well known Tri Cities uh, restaurant. That's just east of the mall, Glen. Just east, yeah, just east. Is it like faux fa? Tin? That's it. Some T H I N. That's it. Yeah. Gotta love that place. I haven't been to that one. The one thing I that loses points with faux place if they don't have a bang and bon me bon me. I'm a man who likes a bon me with my faux or fa as people will say. Yeah, like a good bon me. And I did not think we're gonna be coming here and talk for about food for an hour and fifteen minutes. I really I love food. Me too, dude. I think I I, that's all I I don't talk about it enough because I don't know enough about the production that you maybe know because I don't cook enough, but I appreciate good food so much. Everything, everything in my head, I'm, I'm thinking about like, how do I compare this to this restaurant that I just went to? You know, like in Palm Springs, for example, I'm trying to find the best pizza in, in La Quinta. I'm trying really yeah, hard. I know. And it no is. one has been even close to like I know. cracking seven. I know. Right. I know. The thing that I'm going to get a little deep on you here for a moment. The thing that's really beautiful about food is that it really brings one people together and two cultures together. It really does, man. Like the national food of either London or England, I think it's England. The national food is curry. And I know that the Brits colonialized uh, India and that's horrible. Okay. <laughs> but like you go to this, this place is called Brick Lane. It's all Bangladeshi people. I know that's not Indian, but it's in that area. Fuck, I'm going to get a shit for this. <laughs> uh, but anyways, like these people come from all over Europe to, to try these different like Bangladeshi and Indian cuisines. And it's really cool. Like I thought I knew Indian food and like people there, like every person knows so much about the Indian culture through their food. It's kind of impressive. I felt like an idiot talking to just random people about food, which is kind of rare. Um, and like that's in England and like that's such a like or in London, which is such a big urban center. Is the best Indian food in all of Europe, outside of, of, of India, right? Mm. And I think I'm gonna make a bold statement here. I think that outside of Asia, it's hard pressed to find better Asian food. If you take out LA and take out sushi in New York, then Vancouver, I, I, in the whole world, I think it's I think it's the best Asian food outside of Asia. What in LA? Well, LA in general, like they're like they're. Asian cuisine, like they're, they have a Korea town, which is like world-class. Like we're Korean food outside of Korea, LA. Uh, their sushi is incredible. And like they're basically LA's ethnic food. I'd say California. You think their sushi is better than Vancouver? I would say that it's going to give it a good run for its money. Um, and I understand that when we're in the I desert. I feel like we're so spoiled in Vancouver sushi. It's, it's ridiculous. And you know what the thing is? Like there's a little I fucking know. spot that is literally this big I know. in Port Moody called Hanayuki. That serves hilariously good <laughs> fresh sushi. It's crazy, it's so man. Good. But you know the thing is, because we live here, we're so used to it. 
but people come from outside. Like this is why people love Vancouver. People yeah, come from all over the totally, world. Yeah. They want to come to Vancouver and they see what we see, different lens. Totally. Right? They're like, wow, that's crazy. I was just at an Irish bar watching a Liverpool game with a bunch of crazy sons of bitches. And then I went across the street and ate fine dining sushi yeah. with a Japanese chef who's been doing sushi for 47 years. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, it's fucking crazy. And it's everything in one spot, right? I'm going to go skiing. I'm going to have a nice meal up at Gross. Oh, I'm going to come down full right at the bottom. Oh, I'm going to go across the water. Mahoney's is there. Like, it's like, like everything is there. I love it. And I would say when I went to Europe and came back, I appreciated Vancouver more as a city than ever before. What do you think Vancouver is missing in terms of food wise? Like what type of food is missing? That's such a good question. I can name, I, I can I name one right off the top of my head. So my one top one? Yeah. Wait, wait, I got hold one on. top I got, I got one too. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Because <laughs> I feel like it might all be the same one. And I don't want you to say it and me just agree if I don't agree. Okay. Let's agree so who can goes we just first. Say, can we just say it hold all on. Who one goes time? first? On three. Just everyone says it. Okay. One, two. Three. Barbecue. Mexican. <laughs> so you guys are right. So we said barbecue. Yeah. You said Mexican. Mm-hmm. There's a couple good Mexican places that are not as good as like really good Mexican places that I've been to in California, for example. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can't fuck with California Mexican. T- they border Mexico. What are you going to do? I, I get it. But there are some really good ones. One in New West actually is really good on 6th called... Oh, I've seen that. Uh, that's the one everyone Playa knows. Tropical, yes. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's not many like that, right? There's not. No, Everyone no. knows a nice place, the, like the upper right. class place in New West that's on Columbia, I think. The one that's uh, down, yeah. you know? El Santo. El Santo. Mm. Everyone knows that. But there's like it's that. A different, it's different style. Totally. One's totally. Like more it's like, like elevated and one's more like, hey, you want the best goddamn like like simple Mexican traditional food? Like, totally. Yeah. Go, Beans, buddy. rice, burrito. Unreal. Enchiladas, tacos, whatever. whatever. But, but I completely agree with you on barbecue. Like the barbecue in the States, outside of maybe Korea, totally different style. But the American barbecue, like brisket, ribs. Uh, they, they just, they do it so much better than anywhere else. Have you been to Ribfest? In Port Moody, yes. Yeah. So the quality of food that you get at Ribfest out of a food truck, which is not the ideal place to prepare or make food or serve food. Especially right? if you need a fucking smoker. <laughs> it is hilariously better than going to a barbecue restaurant in Greater Vancouver. Agreed. And so that for me is the number one. There's world-class sushi here. There's world-class noodles like chinese places there is world indian. class in uh may, maybe indian is on that list because dude go, go to surrey there's unbelievable indian food north and there south is indian unbelievable food. indian food but i i just haven't been to india to have real authentic indian food to compare there is really really good italian food that i agree maybe the pizza isn't as good quality but the pasta is close i think there's pizza places that have good quality pizza but i think that people here with pizza get too hung up on like it being perfect Napolitan every style and pizza can be regional. I don't know if you know yeah. about that place in Pitt Meadows. You've told <clears> me about it. I haven't eaten it. And I should, haven't eaten it either. We should try it soon. I've never we eaten it either, it. but everyone's like all these blogs, all these food blogs. And then I sit there and everyone's like, Hey, I had the best pizza I had in Canada. It was in Pitt Meadows. What are you doing tomorrow night? Is it Papa Leo's? What is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> It's either called, to, it just sounds like Papa John's. It's either called, uh, it's either called Artista <laughs> or our, it's art something like it's, there's like 500 ratings. And I think it's at like 4.9. Really? It's eh? like insanely good. The, um, yeah, it looks perfect. It looks perfect. You got some old town guy. One, he's open four hours is it a day. Neapolitana? No, it, it's like. It's Artista, right? Artista. Yeah. yeah. So it's like Neapolitana is kind of soupy in the middle. Yeah. I would say it's more like it's Italian style where it's not like super like North America's doughy, right? Still Romano? thin. 
Is that Roman? Roman? Yeah. Um, Romaninia? Is that how you say it? I think it's just Roman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was a culture that was there for a long fucking time. Um, no, but <laughs> but it's basically like like kind of light, crunch, like crispy bottom. And then, but still like, it's not weak, but it's still not doughy and thick. I would fucking like, dude, I would love to go. Tomorrow night was supposed to be the date night. Remember I had that reservation that you just took? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Look, Dara's going to watch this. She's going to think this is hilarious. Um, I have a friend coming over that uh, you may or may not know, but uh, me and JC and a uh, friend are going to get some food somewhere. So, Why are you so secret open. about this friend? I don't know. His name's Alex Thierman. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, you should, you should definitely go. The only thing, because it's in Pitt Meadows, pizzas all the time. I, my, Marco says this more than anyone. Can you sit down there? Yeah. I know you're going to say the box. You it it dies in the box. The it yeah, dies in the it. box. You can sit down there though? Yeah, you can. You want to go the, tomorrow night? I'll, I'll get back to you. because I got a five some. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get, let you know. Okay. The thing is there, um, it's like that soup Nazi dude, you know? It's only open. I, like, I appreciate it's that. It's four hours a day. It. That's you the same miss as Henry's it, done. Man. Henry's is three days a week. Yeah. You miss it, it's done. Email them on Monday. They won't reply till Thursday night. Yeah, that's that's so crazy, man. Yeah. Like I feel like uh like if someone was, I don't know, like if I I, I would never work in the food industry because I think it's a lot of work for not a lot of money. But I think that if I was to like, you know, retire and I just wanna for me, my favorite food, as most people know, I really like sandwiches. It's my favorite food. People would be like, well, that's not much of a food, but I fucking love sandwiches. I would like to do a shop where each day we do one roast, epic roast. We're having beef sandwich, we're doing beef roast, we're doing turkey, do turkey roast, doing chicken, do chicken roast. And that's it for the day. Everyone gets one sandwich, but it's the best goddamn sandwich they ever had. You don't like chicken? Go to Subway. You, don't, you know what I mean? Question before we move on to another oh, topic. Got cramp. Depending on your time frame, but... I mean, Subway should never be mentioned on this podcast. The way it's just straight garbage. It's like going to Wendy's. Subway? Yeah. It's just like, Body. if you want to spend $4 on something, that's totally fine. You're just not going to get good quality. Man, I feel bad because I've shit already on the cream and sugar and coffee, and I've shit on the Coke and the but fucking whiskey. I know. I know. I feel even, bad, though. Even like bad. even like the top tier chicken teriyaki bullshit at Subway is like 10 bucks. You can get a I hilariously know. better sandwich for 10 bucks I know. in Greater Vancouver. I, right I, I don't understand. The only th way I can explain Big it. Big star. The only way I can explain it is... They have to put some chemical in the food that makes people like, you know, like fast food has a lot of MSG in it, right? It's a type of salt. They have to put something to make people want to go back. Because if anyone what? had had, like they just go to a sandwich place, be like, oh, it's. You know the study done on their bread? I know it's confectionery, right? It's has so much sugar that it's. It's considered. closer to cake than bread. Yeah, because it's considered, it's so sweet. <laughs> they did a they banned it in Ireland calling it bread. <laughs> the Irish government's like, you can't call this bread anymore because it's closer to cake. Fuck, I know. I feel bad saying it, but like that is dog food. It really is. It really is. It's fucking mm -hmm. horrible. And people just, I don't know. Marco, my brother, it's the third time I brought him up tonight. He loves Subway. But he's also, <laughs> it's fucking Marco, man, right? Like, I'm not going to hold my food standard to his, but the guy loves Subway. Like, if he has a choice. Like, the thing is, certain foods, for example, if I'm absolutely shit-faced, and I mean shit-faced. Dude. Uh, I you, love Megabyte pizza. I can eat McDonald's. You no know my problem. number one drunk food? Poutine. Where, where, from where? What? From where? Belgian fries. Yes. <laughs> That's what I, <laughs> Me too. I, you, it's like, how can we that kill ourselves so good. more 
you wake up feeling like you're gonna fucking die. It's like, well, you drank a bottle of vodka last night, then you put in 3,500 milligrams of salt. It's like, oh, oh, you mean you had poutine just with cheese curds and gravy, which is just basically drippings mixed with flour. It's like, wait, we can make it more unhealthy. Our go-to used to be the smoked meat poutine. The caloric, like, I cannot think of something unhealthier to put into your body. I'd wake up so thirsty, man. That's <laughs> true. That's true. You but, wake up in the middle of the night, uh, you have to chug two bottles. I know. More dehydrated, yeah. yeah. I know, but it's like, well, fuck, you know, you got to play it as a lie sometimes. Like, if I'm hammered, there's nothing I want more in this world than that. There's nothing. We've done some hilarious maneuvers yeah. to get poutine yeah. right before this place closes yeah. because we're drinking and playing video games. Yeah, it's 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 actually kind of it's actually kind of sad, but I I really love it. Or remarkable. Yeah, it, you could honestly you look at it. If you put this information in a book, half people would think it's brilliant, half would <laughs> think it's the most ridiculous thing they've ever seen. But my point being, if you're hammered and you want to get a bunch of McDonald's, right? All the power to you. You're hammered. You want to get you know some like megabyte pizza. The one at commercial coming back from downtown. Deanne's two thousand and two. Wait, holy shit! Not two thousand two. Two thousand twelve. Three slices, seven ninety nine. Can't beat I it. Beat it. But even Subway, when I'm absolutely hammered, I'm just like, wow, that's disgusting. I don't eat that shit. I agree. Okay, back to my question. Okay. These do not have to be the top three or in order. But I want to know three sandwiches in Greater Vancouver that are dynamite. So if you're if you're feeling sandwich for lunch, where? God, that is such. Doesn't a... have to be three. It can be no, two. No, no, I got, I, got, I, got, I, I, dude, I can give you thirty if you want. Go for it. Okay. There is a new place in New West called Panini Bros. Ooh, haven't had it. Where? Yeah, it's above an auto shop. <laughs> I think Perfect. off off Station. <laughs> Three young Italian lads from North Burnaby opened it. Ooh, These I people have been eating paninis one. their entire goddamn life. You want a good sandwich? That is probably going to be... Do they even have like a counter to go order at? They do. Like it's, it's like a, it's a, you it's, just go in, get tires, and get a panini. No, well, I didn't go there to get tires. I just got the panini. <laughs> but I would say like, and again, like with, with sandwiches too, like you got to consider bang for buck, right? Like you don't want to pay $30. You know, you want your sandwich kind of in that like a good sandwich. You want in that like 11 to $15 range. Maybe if it's a big, like a two meal sandwich, maybe that $20 range. I'd say like their bang for buck is really good. I think that, um, so that's going to be my third. That's sorry. I'm going three, two, one. I'm not ignoring you. I'm just making notes. So I don't forget to mention these places as we go along, but go ahead. Okay. I think I already know. I know right away who number one is. I love that. Okay. I think that number two would probably for me be big star. I really like Big Star sandwiches. Big Star's straight quality, man. There's the thing is, they've so grown many... a lot. They've grown a lot. You got to be careful when they grow, right? Fair. Have you had a Big Star recently? I've probably not had a Big Star since I've moved to Coquitlam. So since April, I've not had A year? One. Let's say a year. Did you notice any quality difference from the last time you had a Big Star to like... So I don't know if you had been to their original location in New West. I have with you. On 12th? Yeah. When I first started real estate, that's where me and Jamie would go for like team meetings for lunch. We would go there for, and, and I remember like the first time having these sandwiches, I was like, these are sandwiches are so good. How, how'd you find out about this place? He's like, there's like three places to eat in, in New West. This is one of them. Like at that point, that was 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I hear him. It's a long time ago. And then like, obviously it's grown and they have Langley, Surrey, Burnaby, Maple Ridge, Burnaby, 
New ass, like they have six or seven locations. They sponsor the BC Lions games. Like there's a little interesting. That little sign. I'm, that's a fucking awesome because it was like one dude that started this shop. Oh, I got another one. I, I can't remember about. his name. I met him a handful of times. I can't remember his name. Is he a brown guy though? No, he's a no, no. He's a white dude. Um, Clint. It's something like that. I think the ones who run the Burnaby one are brown guys, and they fucking love sandwiches. They they know their shit with sandwiches. They they're like, I one day order a sandwich. Like yeah. you should do this one. And I did it, and I was like, oh god damn, that's a good choice. <laughs> How would you compare that chain to like chain chain saying like seven restaurants is a chain? It's not that big yet, but compared to like uh, Jimmy John. Oh fuck, that's a great question. That is a great question. It's totally different, but dude, it's hilarious that Jimmy really good. Yeah, it's hilarious that Jimmy John's competition is Subway. That is hilarious. Not even. even It's funny because like if we're talking big star Jimmy John, like like there's no. It doesn't make any sense. Like, no. How can they all like? How can A be accomplished with B and B with C? That's Can't. like putting AJ's and Boston Pizza in the same category, Man, right? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's different. I don't know. Uh, that is a great question, and I have no answer for you. There's those are both great sandwiches, and I think they both win. Jimmy John's in terms of like a fast food sandwich for eleven bucks, you can't beat that. It's fuck. unreal. You can't yeah. beat it. Um, I, okay. I thought of a third one, by the way. Or and, fourth. Sorry, one. it doesn't have to be in BC. Well, mine are all in Vancouver now. Okay, perfect. I think uh, Meat and Bread downtown does a good job on Canby. I've never been to that one. It's pretty good. I think number one, you've never heard of it. I think it's the best sandwich that I might have ever had. Never heard of. Okay. So in Gastown, in Chinatown, I was going to throw you for a loop. In Chinatown, there's an Italian restaurant who does Fiorentina style food so food from florence and in florence they have a special type of bread i think oh man i'm gonna get shit for this one too i think it's called scacciata basically it's like almost like it's like a very crispy focaccia that they cut in half and they make these sandwiches like very simple sandwiches that are i think in my opinion made so good because they put like uh like for example they'll make like a an eggplant blended like almost like a mayonnaise and like it's like these like really thick savory like sauces are on these that's what i think and they only serve their sandwiches 12 to 3. I've driven down to their shop three times from Coquitlam to get a sandwich. And it has, oh, I got another one, the place on commercial. But it is, <laughs> it's incredible, though. It's incredible. That place on commercial is Parmesan something. It's incredible, too. Ah, fuck, there's so many good sandwiches in the world. You know how you said it, if I regret earlier, knowing that when I ate that meal <laughs> by Tom, uh, used by Tom Aiken? Not regret. No, but you said, is it depressing to is know that? Is it depressing to know that every meal for the rest of your life is downhill? So my answer to that is no, but my answer to the fact that I can't eat all the sandwiches does make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> like knowing how many good ones are out there and to think that some people are wasting that one meal on a Subway sandwich. I just, for me, man, my mouth is watering thinking of this fucking sandwich. It's so good. Okay, so the reason I opened up to North America is because I want to name two places that are some of my favorite meals, regardless of food, I've ever had. One is Little Hobo in... Near, yeah, I think I told you about this place, and I think you went. It's in, it's in Kelowna. Little Hobo? Little Hobo. Is it a breakfast place? No, it's sandwiches and soups. And so Maybe. they make this hilariously good cabbage roll soup that is so good. And then every 
every day they have like a few different sandwiches, but then they have like a regular lunch menu that is like burgers, turkey clubs, whatever, whatever. And I was in Kelowna last summer. I did go. I went with Aaron. Yes, you did. I did go. I was in Kelowna for like five or six days last summer. And I went to to that sandwich shop every day for lunch. And the owner is there every single day. I can't remember her name. Shit, I can't remember. I'll remember it eventually. Tracy, something like that. And every sandwich is so good. And you have a different soup because they have soups of the day. And then they have this like cabbage roll soup. Unreal. 100% recommend anytime you're in Kelowna, go there for lunch. Man, we should start a food podcast. Holy shit, I'm so hungry now. And then number two, that is one of my favorite places to go. I don't know if it's nostalgia or what. You know what I'm going to say. Sherman's. Oh, and Palm Springs. Palm Desert. Jesus. It's a Jewish deli. Unbelievable it's, sandwiches. It's, it's like, it's, They're it's like cats. Yeah, it's so like cats. High. It's like the Jewish style, like cats or like the place in Montreal. Pastrami, corned beef, you're not going to get better. Blow like, you do mind. not have Jewish Every heritage and you try to make the sandwich, you will not be able to do it. No There's chance. something, it's like matzo ball soup, right? You just can't fucking do it. No one can do it. Love that place. There's so many good sandwiches. Have you, been to, have you been to Soup Plus in Coquitlam? Nope. Soup? He's, he's known as like the sandwich Nazi. Never been to this guy, old Polish guy. Always arguing with his wife. Right on the, it's on, uh, oh man. Soup Nazi, or Soup Plus, sorry. How do you spell soup? Soup. Oh, pick. soup. I think you said soup. Yeah, this place, uh, oh, soup? God, man. Soup He's, Plus? Yeah. It's on Austin by the McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Huh. That place? Oh, right by Golden Boot. Exactly. If you want two things in this world that are really good, one, their club sandwich, two, their mushroom soup is unbelievable. I know it's good because they add MSG. I know it. It is so like savory and salty. And if I don't, I'm, if they don't, I'm sorry, but I don't know how you recreate those flavors without MSG. It's so good. Like it's so fucking good. Man, I'm so hungry now. I didn't have dinner. Did you have dinner? No. Oh. What time are you going to go? I have to go in 20 minutes. Can I pee quickly and then can we talk about work stuff for a bit? Yeah, I th- yeah, I thought we were gonna do that tonight. We got talking about food. I know, but it's obsessive and we can go on forever and ever and ever about this stuff. Okay, sure, go. There's I'll make so it. many good men. There are places in the world where you just go. <sighs> even like Palm Springs is obviously a place for me where I'm there by myself often, and gonna be more moving forward, and. I'll just go out for dinner by myself to a place I've never been, sit at the bar, and just ask the bartender, like, what are the popular three dishes here? And they'll name three, and I'll be like, okay, that that was one of my top things anyway. I'll order that. And the food is so good. Yeah. And it's so fun to, like, just experience different shit in different areas. I know. And and Whether it's a sandwich for lunch or, like, I found this cool place in Palm Desert that is, uh, or in La Quinta that is the, like, sandwich salad place for lunch. And it's so good. I know, but then that's why I, I am murdered mentally by people who go to places. Like they'll go to, like they'll go somewhere, like they'll go to Tokyo and they'll sit there and they'll eat breakfast at a Denny's. Like, <laughs> fuck me, man. <laughs> like I, I would rather, I'd, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather yeah. fuck up half my meals with like, when I was in Italy, I tried to get some calamari. Couldn't speak, Italian's very poor. Went to order this calamari, right? <laughs> and they just brought me a fucking squid. <laughs> <laughs> you was know it what? grilled? 
Yeah, it was grilled and there, they had a lemon, but it was like it was there, like eyes, everything. And you just slice it up? Yeah. And honestly, it was How pretty it good. Taste? No, pretty good. I just put some, like Devin was repulsed by it. She's like, you're going to eat that? I was like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. You never know. Like, and like in Scotland, right? Like you have things like Haggis, really regional. It's all the inside of goats, like a goat liver. Like think of something like pate, for example. What is this? It's like, well, they basically whipped the liver of a chicken or duck. And you're like, oh, that sounds disgusting. And then you have a bon mi that has pate on it. You're like, how is this meal so good, right? You really got to be okay trying shit. You got to try. You got to try shit. Because if you don't try shit, you have no like, you have no idea. I didn't know I liked iced tea until I was 23 years old. I didn't try uh, Thai food until I was in my mid-20s. Not one time. It's probably one of the biggest regrets I ever had. No Thai food. Pad Thai, Pad Su, spring rolls, salad rolls, Zippo. Favorite Thai place you've ever been? Go. Ooh. I want to say Chad Thai in the Heights. Yeah. I think it's better than the places out here. All right. Since we've established our uh, qualifications as Michelin star recommendation people. If this was a 12-hour podcast, like Joe Rogan podcast, I could keep talking about food until easily until we leave. for. Po- I could leave, do this for two weeks nonstop. I got nothing planned. Oh, I got a couple listings coming up. That I need to like jet out, do the photo shoot, and come back. But ten days? That's what you're yeah. asking. Yeah, yeah, I could do it. Carl, I'm in. Do you have any Do you have any Renos coming? Nah. Up? <laughs> Can you call in sick? It is disappointing that Palm Springs doesn't have any really good pizza. What they do have, though, one day they will. Though what they do have there, They're trying to open the Detroit place. One thing they have there that is the best of anything I've ever had is they have a Cali fish taco from Fisherman's Market, which is the best fish taco I've ever had. Fisherman's Market is really <clears> good. The Mexican food there is the best I've ever had. I've been to Mexico a couple times, only been off the resorts a couple times, haven't really explored. So my knowledge of Mexico, Mexican food, is very, very limited. But in terms of like U.S. and Canada, best Mexican food I've ever had is in Greater Palm Springs. It's interesting because like there, it's such unpretentious Mexican food, right? Mm-hmm. It's a paper plate, slop of baked beans, some seasoned rice. It's not paper plates. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's not like it's real it's not, plates. No, I know, but it's not like um, it's not like uh, it's not like elevate. It's like it's like very family style. Hundred percent. It's not like what you think from like a night a restaurant, right? Totally. Yeah, it's, it's quite, but it's very good. The quality is so good. The flavors are really good. I don't know if it's like the spices, the way they cook the meat. I'm not sure what it is. They all got their grandmas the, back there cooking. They do. You see them. It's, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's like real Mexican people that are making totally. like authentic, really good food. And hilariously good margaritas. <sighs> Some of those places, man, that you go and order a margarita and they're like, do you want the small or the large? You're like, obviously the large. Makes no sense. Why would Six you shots even, of tequila. Why would you even offer that? a small? And then you watch them making the large, and you're like, oh, shit, I should have ordered the we, small. That happened to us. Remember we had that margarita we were seeing at the bar? You got shit-faced. Yeah. That, man, what's that place called? I can't remember. I'm going to remember. Yeah, the, we, had, we had like one or two margaritas, and I was like going out into the sun. If you like, have two of the large, yeah. you shouldn't drive home. Yeah. Oh, of course not, dude. I think, there's, I think those are probably five fluid ounces per <laughs> drink. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I don't know how it's so much better, but it's just so much better. You know what's another cool thing that's better for Mexico? Coca-Cola. Do you know this? Sodas in Mexico are made with sugar cane instead of uh, corn syrup. Mm. And you're like, oh, that doesn't mean shit to me. And then you go and like they, they you know, the Coke, which I guess it used to be like North America used to do the same thing. Until we got 
fucked by capitalism, but like, <laughs> you go have a Coke and it's like, it's like, oh, it's a Coke. Okay. I have, I have a can of Coke in my fridge at home, pour in a glass and you're just like, wow, that is the most delicious thing I've ever had. And you don't know why, but it's like, all they've done is replaced all the, you know, the processed corn syrup with sugar cane. And it's not, it's called Mexican Coke. You can, you can import it. It's, it's really good. You think when he's talking about a South American country, I guess Mexico's North America, but you talk about a country down there and you put Coke in it, shipping up here, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no, it's really, really good. <laughs> yeah, it's Colombian Coke made with sugar cane. Yeah, no, it's uh, if you ever see Mexican sodas, like Jaritos, whatever they're called, they're very refreshing, especially if you're hungry. I I've honestly never had one. So now that you've mentioned it, I will try one. You should. You really should. Um, you suggest trying Coke. I, if like you can get Coca-Cola like flavor. Coca-Cola, like it's Coca-Cola made in Mexico it's in a glass jar. And you can look at the back. So instead of saying yeah. corn syrup, it's going to say sugar cane. Can you buy that in like a grocery store? Yeah. yeah. It's a little glass bottle. You can? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should try that. Yeah, I'm down. When we go down, let's get some, I know you love dark rum. Oh, no. Let's get a, just a small glass of dark rum and pour a little bit of that in there. I feel like that would be just the perfect drink. I really do. <laughs> Based on your history with dark rum, I thought you were going to say something different, but I'm. Oh, I, I'd I say like it's your imperfect drink. How the night goes, that's on <laughs> you. <laughs> the drink would be perfect, though. No, honestly, that's from spending so much time in Nova Scotia, though. They love dark rum there, and it's just so. What's it, the go to? It's, it's, it's is it Captain Morgan's? No, no, no. Is it, no, no, Kraken? No. Is it- Captain Morgan's? Holy fuck. That'd is be it like, Lamb's? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, la- like Captain Morgan's would be like. Uh, Oh, this guy's had a good week. Twenty-seven ninety-nine a bottle. Jesus Christ! No, it's like yeah, like lambs or like seagull seagrams. I think it's called or seagrams. Yeah, or like those like like basically like you know well liquor, right? It's on the bottom shelf. It comes in a big bottle, plastic. But man, they love their dark rum, and uh, yeah, that's where the, the whole trip went south to me with dark rum. Like I used to be able to enjoy it. Now it's just like not for me. Honestly, I'm kind of over that level of drinking i want to just like chill like this year in palm springs i just want to focus on golf might have one night with rum and that's it dance with the devil once and that's it enjoyment enjoyment yeah that's why i shifted to the vodka sodas in palm springs i actually made a list of i made this list today of just ideas of things i've learned i made it on my phone things i've learned then i want to tell you a trick i learned okay but you anyways just one of the things is like if you're ever in a spot for me, this is, does not apply to everyone. If you're ever in a spot where you feel like you're spinning your tires a bit, like whether it's work, relationships, family, anything, I personally think it's a good idea to just step away from all drugs, coffee, alcohol. By drugs, I don't mean like hard drugs. If you do hard drugs, and step away from that. <laughs> I mean like, like maybe like, like you know, like, 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 like drugs. You're t- like things that are like anything, right? Just step away for a week and try to like recenter yourself and then kind of revalue, like reevaluate where you're at. I think that's a good idea for anyone to do once in a while. Like I don't want to use the word cleanse because I feel like it's a kind of one of those like 2022 words. You know what I mean? But like a mental break from the monotony of what you do, I think it can be very beneficial for people. I think more people should do it. Cause when I come out of that motherfucker, I feel like I am going to take down the world. I'm running about mountains. I'm, you know, I'm, the only thing I'll have is a black coffee in the morning. One black coffee. That's it. The only drug. And then off I go. I think it's a great idea. But that's one of the things on my list uh, of things of I'm learning my early 30s. 
thing I learned probably late 20s, early 30s is on boys' golf trips, vodka sodas only. <laughs> and That's yeah. so opposite to what I said. Why? I'm like, take a, dra- a break from drinking. You're like, my thing, boys' trips, only no, vodka. You made a good point. But when you maneuver into the Palm Springs trip, which is going to happen in two weeks. What is it? November 7th, 8th? What is it? it? It's We land two weeks today. I land two weeks today. Today's no. today. Today's Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. So t- two you weeks land today. on Monday, bro. Okay. You I better land. fucking show up to the airport on Monday because oh. otherwise you're missing. That's why no one was running my group chat. I'm like, say two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's Monday. Okay. 21st. Okay. Monday, 21st. Was it 8th? 8th. All right. So you got 13 days. Two weeks from now, 13 days from now, you know that the peer pressure thing has never really gotten to me. In terms the, of what? In terms of everything, I guess. Most things, yeah. Yeah. I'll just fight someone if they want to peer pressure me. But the really good way around it is vodka sodas. Because you can drink vodka sodas all night and just put less vodka in them and they still look the same. So, like, I remember last year, Malcolm. Malcolm was like, bro. You know, he's shit-faced. He's had, like, three Bud Lights. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's funny because Malcolm listens to the podcast, so he's going to hear that. And he's like questioning me, being like, dude, have another drink. And so I just show up with like a really tall glass of vodka soda with like half an ounce of vodka in it. And totally. 27,000 ounces of soda water in it. I find it so he's crazy. Like, All, right. All right, you're good now. It's so crazy that men do that to each other though. Like, like it's I, such a weird thing. This is the thing, thing. I don't get because I don't do thing. it to other people. I don't get it. It's such a weird thing. Like if someone's at a party and they're not drinking and you go, do you want to drink? They go, no. You don't have to ask them why not. They're like, they're at, no, okay, that's fine. Like we don't have to be like, oh, you pussy. Like what the fuck is this? Grades like 12? Like, are you kidding me? It's like, yeah, he's actually a lawyer who has his, his own law firm and he doesn't want to be hung over tomorrow. He's in court tomorrow at, he's in court tomorrow yeah. at seven. Like maybe give him a break. <laughs> he's not getting drunk with these three stooges. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. I think that... uh I think the the revelation of the new soda waters is an incredible revelation. It's interesting, hey? It's a very interesting thing because, like, they're very refreshing. You know that a lot of booze companies are now adopting non-alcoholic seltzers or, like, non-alcoholic beers. There's a trend uh, there. There's a trend there. One of Jordan's uncles, um, like, works with a brewery in Calgary, I think, called Toolshed. And... Uh, they were over on the island last week, uh, a couple weekends ago with me. I was chatting with him. Their like big thing for next year and what they're working on right now is like non-alcoholics, non-alcoholic beers. They're producing a seltzer, but then like extracting all the, I don't understand the science behind it, but like taking everything out of what they're producing the seltzer with, having the non-alcoholic version and then producing a drink with that. And they think like that is the next trend. Well, it's interesting because like flavorful, non-alcoholic things. Well, if you look at beer, the biggest whatever. beer companies in the world, never, ever, ever, ever in the history of these companies, these massive corporations, billion dollar corporations, never have they been marketing. Guinness is doing it, right? Like uh, I think isn't uh, Coors companies doing it with some of their drinks? Um, Budweiser had a huge one. Heineken is huge. Huge. Heineken non-alcoholic mm. is huge. Every grocery store, you try to get it, sold out. It's fascinating. Uh, Bex, you know, Bex, the company, yeah, yeah, Bex yeah. is huge. 
Because back when I was younger, if you wanted a non-alcoholic beer, you got served a dirty old O'Doul's, right? <laughs> that's just what you got served, man. That's it's, what we had at the pub. Yeah, I know. Well, shit. Like, that's what you got. But, like, now it's like, wow, these are, like, really good. Um, I had a Red Racer non-alcoholic Pilsner the other day. Red Racer is not a huge company. It's local, right? How'd it taste? <sighs> not as good as the alcoholic version. But if you were not wanting to drink and you wanted a beer... I would say it was pretty good. Decent I, replacement. For me, the ones, and I've tried quite a few of them, mm. the ones that I like, I, th I think for me, the number one is Heineken. It tastes very, because Heineken's kind of like a skunky, different flavor yeah. already. Yeah. And I don't know if that just works into their game plan, but like their non-alcoholic beer tastes very similar to what I think a Heineken tastes like. Mm. The thing about non-alcoholic beer though is like, you'll never be at home watching a movie and you're, you know, and in the morning you come down, you found out you drank 13 on all beers. It just doesn't happen, man. It never happened. I've never let's happen to me. Never come downstairs and the sink is full of non-alcoholic beers, right? There'll be like two, right? Like, for example, you finish mowing the lawn. Very refreshing. But you're not going to drink 13 of them. It's just not the way it works. The other day I had five soda waters. Like flavored yeah. soda waters like this. They go down easy, man. And I came down the next morning. I was like, man, I had <laughs> Why did I have so many? I know, but then you come down, you feel pretty good. Like your head's clear. Like it's, I think it's a great, for, and for me too, because like people are like, okay, well, I don't drink alcohol. Like some people drink soda, right? Instead of alcohol. It's like, well, you drink two liters of Pepsi a day. Is that really the space you want to exist in either? Like, I agree. You shouldn't be drinking six beers a day, but like you're drinking, you know, half, you know, six Pepsis a day. Like really? Like pick your poison, I guess. But I think like, like, and the thing is they're like president's choice, the one that you have, theirs are amazing and they're so fucking cheap. Get a case of these. I, I got like four cases the other day. I paid. And I thought they forgot some of the cases. I know they're like $5. Each yeah. Like $5 each. Yeah. And then they're like really good and they're not, I don't know. It's like a great substitute in the middle of the day or, or late at night when it's just like, you know, I could have a beer right now, but it's like, you know, why not? Just like not sub that over something else. I love them. The orange one especially is my favorite. Okay. I think we've established ourselves as nutritionists, first of all. Oh, scientists. I, I, we're definitely a food expert. That's for God. And sure. I'd like to step into the real estate expert okay. category. Just the thing we do 100 hours a week. We know. Okay. That's pretending we're about this. Can you recap your meeting on Thursday for me and share the things that you learned that you're excited about? I know you're starting a new company. I know there's a lot of things in the works. So, I want a quick summary and then I want to like chat about it and elevate what people in your situation can learn from a little bit. So basically the meeting was a five-hour meeting. No breaks really. Maybe it's long. It was, it's a long meeting, but it was with basically some of the best minds in the country in the mortgage, uh, in the mortgage space. These are people who are very successful, very focused, very, very... Like they are, they're just really good at what they do. Robotic. Uh, they're just really good. Slightly. I don't know if robotics the word. They're just very, like this, I, this entire, this, this meeting was very humbling for me because, you know, I started in 2017. It was kind of really, really hard and difficult. 18 was pretty good. 19 was like, all right, let's get going. 20 was like, okay, now we're really like, this is a business. We're, we're doing well. 2021, like, you know, you feel like, oh man, I am God. And then you, get, you go to a meeting like this and you're just like, I have so much 
I need to learn, right? So much. Like, it was just incredible how, um, how much there is to know about anything really, but like this specifically, um, it was very interesting things. Cause like these like masterminds and stuff, like you hear things that you would just never think of because different personalities have different thoughts. Right. Or you're just in a different stage. Right. Cause, yeah. cause I think it's important as someone in your position that is really good at doing residential mortgage. You're really good. You're good at customer service. You're good at placing people in the right product. You're good at like relationships with lenders. You're good at a lot of things. Then there's like the next level. And the next level is not necessarily getting better at mortgages. Right. It's probably similar or worse at placing people in the right product. But the next level is scale. And scale in a business is very different than implementing better customer service or implementing better product development or, you know, processes or whatever. It's, it's, sorry, processes is the next step. It's just, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that the consumer of that specific phone call or that specific experience is getting a better outcome. It just means that the system involved in it is a little more fluid. I'd agree. I think that I think that scaling well is very hard. I think it's insanely difficult to do it. Well, this is the <clears throat> reason that most people in real estate or other facets of real estate, mortgages, whatever, fail is because scaling is so, so challenging. And to do it where you don't sacrifice um, a client experience so that when people don't feel like they're just being handed off to, mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with them, they'll be handed off to someone else. It's a small file, handed off to someone else. Uh, it's a difficult file. The, my, our full attention's not there. To not sacrifice that level of quality on every file when you go from doing 50 to whatever, 5,000 a year, you know, how the, how the hell do you keep that consistent? With me, it's really easy because it's only me and my assistant. So I know that everything that happens for a client, I see it directly. I review it directly. There's no, there's nothing to, you know, even my assistant, like even we bounce around with conversations where we'll sometimes ask a client for the same document or the same question twice. That's just an issue in the process. And that's at whatever level, right? You scale that 10 times. How the fuck are you having no one double stepping? It's like dancing, right? No one's stepping on each other's feet. Everyone's moving perfectly. That's why I, I hate to say it, but I do respect bigger companies, like big companies sometimes because it's so hard to have everyone working together for a common goal and not have, like that scale is so hard to nail without sacrificing. Like we're just talking about sandwiches, right? Like Subway can make a fucking shitty sandwich because they sell about a billion of them a day, right? But they've sacrificed something for something else. And do you want to do that when you're handling someone's biggest investment? Probably, unless you're doing it really well, which luckily the people that I've been talking to like and trying to learn from, are, like they do it really well. And like I think that there's so much value in that because I think it's a very hard thing to do. I think of every 10 people who try, I think nine probably fail in scaling properly. Most big companies fail 
somewhere. And there's a lot of things that I don't necessarily appreciate, look up to about big corporations. You mentioned big corporations. I think there a lot of things are extremely inefficient, whereas a lot of small businesses, whether they're three employees or 20 employees, small-ish, can run really, really efficiently by people being creative, adaptable, whatever the right word is here. But the interesting thing for me about running a small business is I firmly believe that our customer service, our experience that consumers have in our business, buying and selling real estate, is far superior than 99.9% of experiences that happen in Greater Vancouver. So my goal with trying to scale, and scale doesn't mean doing 15,000 transactions tomorrow. It means like slowly growing. Which I agree. I, I, yeah, I understand. But that means like, how do we help, you know, like going from 150 families helped per year, how do we help 250? And then going to 350. So every year, just like slightly growing, that more people are getting a, a much better outcome and experience through the real estate transaction than they would elsewhere because 99.9% of them elsewhere are not as good. So that's what I'm trying to instill in a team growth thing. So that so, is why I'm saying it's so hard because like think of the sandwich thing again, right? It is really, more really, sandwiches, really, really hard. Maybe using bigger ovens. Maybe they don't reach all the meat the same way. Maybe not every piece, maybe the sandwich person doesn't care as much because he doesn't see his boss every day, right? You're scaling, you got to keep that level, right? The level is so hard to keep. But as the individual that is trying to scale, <clears throat> the responsibility is on you to instill these, what's the right word? Uh, characteristics. Values. Uh, <clears throat> values on the people that are growing and being like, from my experience, it, this is what is going to help people have a better, better outcome in this transaction, in this mortgage, in this purchase or sale. But how do you make someone feel as importantly about your company as you do? It's impossible. I don't think it's impossible. I don't think anyone can ever care about, like, you're, you're a company that you own is like a business, right? Mm -hmm. You watch it grow, or sorry, like a child. You watch it grow. You invest time and energy into it. It falls a couple times. Sometimes it falls a lot. <laughs> you know, and then you kind of pick it up and it grows. But like no one ever is going to have that same passion about something that you're growing as if it was their own. You know what I mean? I think that you can have a really good babysitter, like a really good person who really cares. Like my mom, if I had a kid, my mom would really give a shit about that kid. But would she give a shit as much as me? I don't know. That's why, that's what, that's honestly why I struggle. I struggle because... A, I can't let go of responsibility because I've worked what I feel is very hard to hold a level of what people come to expect. And two, yeah, I don't want anyone else, like, I don't want anyone not caring about this thing that I so, care about. I challenge you on number one. <clears throat> so you say you have a level. Let's say that level is 100. Sure. Of client experience. If you can offer 50 people level 100 for the rest of your life, is that more important to you than offering 500 people level 85 because you're instilling most of your knowledge in other people to help more consumers 
Because all those other consumers, let's say 450 of them, are going to go elsewhere and get level 65 versus yeah. 85 because you've shared all that shit with them. We, so that, that's we are what very I've, lucky in both of our jobs where they're, the bar is quite low of, of being really good. But you could say that about any industry of all time ever. Oh, right? man. <clears throat> Anything. Banker real estate is a special one. Food. some idiots out there. Japanese uh, sushi restaurants in Vancouver. There are some places that you go that you feel like you need to throw up immediately as you leave. Then there are other that you're like, that was the best meal I've ever had in my entire life. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. I think that, again, with real estate in Vancouver, I think that, you know, I think the, yeah, I think that it's, it's because of exactly what we're talking about, I would, in that option you gave me, I would take 85 out of 85 for, for 5,000 people. Because I know that a lot of people, like a lot of people are getting 15, tons of people. This is my Loads thing about, of people. This is my thing about Greater Vancouver Real Estate, and I say this comment all the time, is most consumers get fucked in their transaction. Most. Whether they're buying or selling, most of them currently, most being like 75 or more percent, are getting fucked in the asshole every single time they buy and sell real estate. So this is my passion about real estate, is that I want people to come onto our team so that they learn how to treat people properly and negotiate properly and get the most out of deals so that consumers don't get fucked. That is my thing. Well, I, I, I can agree with you that consumers, a lot of consumers are getting fucked. Most of them. Yeah. Man. I can give you hundreds of examples of real, you calling realtors and being like, you accept an offer week one yeah, or day one for list price. Yeah. The properties were 2 million. You list at one seven. She's I know. like, oh, really? Oh, I know. I see it a lot. Sometimes I, like, I'm not a realtor, so when I look at contracts, but I do look at contracts every day, right? And sometimes I look at it, I'm just like, baby, <laughs> sucks. Yeah. And some of them I look anyway. at, I'm like, holy shit, that's a great, that's a great deal. That's my comment on scale. But continue with your uh, story about the meeting. Um, I would say it was very, okay, so wait, my first thing I would say is, to summarize my first point, is that, these people who are like the best in the industry at what they do, in my opinion, they have very, very good processes and they are able to scale without uh, losing value on the client experience. That's a summary of that. They're not losing points, but they're growing clients. And it's really easy to grow clients and lose points. So I think that's very hard to do. Secondly, I'd say it was very, uh, well, obviously quite humbling to, you know, you, it's easy to be a big fish in a small pond. And then when you jump into a different pond, all of a sudden you're the small fish. It's kind of an interesting experience because like, I'll jump onto this point. If you want to be good at anything in your life, anything, surround yourself with people who are really good at, really good. If it's golf and you're a 10 handicap and you golf with 10 handicaps all the time, all your buddies are 10 handicaps, try your best to play with a pro or a scratch because it's just a different level that you don't even realize because of what you do all the time is what you know. It's just like the same way we're talking about that fucking peanut butter. You do what you know, right? And that's what that's normal to you until you try and you you and you go to like, holy shit, this is something that I haven't seen before. It's really impressive, and it's very motivational. I went home that night, and I actually basically took the night off. I slept on the couch by myself because I was just like had a lot of thoughts. Woke up the next morning at the crack of dawn. I think I woke up at like five o'clock just with a thousand ideas. I wanted like all these things. Like I wanted that, like I want 
that, you know, I want to grow like to that. Cause it's like, you see people around you. Like I'm sure, I'm sure realtors who are in like the first year, see like your team. They're just like, holy shit. I'd love to do that or any industry or anything. Right. Bob, the sandwich maker might want to be like big star. Like, but to see it, it's very motivational to see people who are, have really have the, the, like the art, the, the, they crafted it, you know, and it's very motivational. There's two different types of people in businesses. And one of them is a operator. And the operator is really good at that specific business thing. They're like a cog, right? They're a specific piece. No, 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 no. Let me finish. Okay. So let's say Alex D'Angelo is a really good at, at customer service, at treating people well, at placing them in the, mor- in the right mortgage thing situation that they're supposed to be in. And people come out of that situation being like, this is the best outcome that could have happened. I loved working with Alex. Boom, we're done. The difference of like growing a business, of like building a website, social media, promoting your business. It's two different jobs. <clears throat> They're different They're two personality different traits. They're two different jobs completely. So I find that, I mean, like part of this reason for this stupid podcast thing is just to chat with people that are good at doing things, whether it is a musician, whether it is running an accounting firm, whether it is like a mortgage broker business, whether it is anything in Greater Vancouver. I just want to like pick people's brains, chat with them, hear about what they're thinking, why they've made the decisions they've made, processes like McFadden was on last week or two weeks ago or whatever. Like he is a process machine. 100%. And most of what he does doesn't make a goddamn sense to me. But I'm interested in picking like one or two things out being like, oh, I could totally do that. That is my personality. I could do that. Yeah. 90% is like, I would never do that. I, I just know in my head, I would never wake up in the morning and be like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do that. Never. Never. But one or two things, I'm like, man, that makes so much sense. Why haven't I ever thought about that? That is the most brilliant thing of all time. 100%. And that's part of the reason for this these conversations but i, but I do but like, think it's two different levels it's, so, i think it's two different jobs there's a difference between being a realtor and running a real estate team there's a difference between yep. being uh, a restaurant owner and a chef like these are different jobs like yep. they are it's so much different you can be the best fucking mortgage broker on planet earth running a brokerage running a dealing with, like i had a call today today totally, with totally. a broker who <laughs> she wants to she wants to join my team at some point in the future down the line when everything's sorted out and everything's off the, she wants to join and she has some fucking questions for me oh man i had no idea what the hell i was saying she was like well what do you like what what's your plan for this 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 right like what's your plan like how do you add value here right as a business owner like what about this i'm like i haven't got there yet so i'm trying to put the top of the pyramid on <clears throat> i don't have a base yet for my new company right it's, it's, it's working well, but to scale it, it's not ready to be scaled yet. I think it's really important for people to understand where they are in that like trajectory, right? Mm, it's like mm. when you're a brand new realtor and you've been working for two years and you're gaining some traction, this idea of starting a team is, sounds fucking awesome, right? Other I people are going to come on your team, they're going to do deals and you're going to make money off their deals. Totally. Where are those people going to get deals from? Okay, remember how I was even that list of things I wrote a, down today? Listen, what listen what to this processes one. are implemented that those people are coming onto your team to use? Do you have a marketing machine? Do you have a really good social media platform? Do you have a phenomenal website that is generating leads? Like, 
what is the purpose or what is the value for those people to be associated with you versus just being on their own? I completely agree with what you're saying right now. And I told you that I wrote that list of like kind of like lessons for myself today. Um, this is one that I think ties directly into that. <laughs> Hold on one second. Basically, it's saying like, it's really easy to like, what my, my notes are all scattered. Basically, it's really easy to say you, you're going to do something. I'm going to start a team. I'm going to hire a bunch of realtors. They're going to jump on my team. They're going to do a bunch of deals. We'll feed them. It's really easy to say that shit. Actually doing that is incredibly different to do. So it's a different level. It's a different level of saying. Like I can say, I want to have 10 brokers on my team in five years. I want to have a, uh, you know, a, a website that's crushing it. I want to have 100% client fulfill- Like You can say all these things, right? To actually do this thing, to scale a business without losing quality, to hire realtors, educate them, and have a business that runs successfully. It's really hard to do because you're, like, it's so easy to fuck it up. It's so easy. Super easy to say, I'm going to do this. Really hard to do. I think it's when you say things, people are like, oh, you're amazing. Congratulations, you're doing these things. The public affirmations to me mean nothing because they are worth, like, what is the worth? Who's it coming from, right? So like uh, one of the things ego. you just it's mentioned. Ego. Ego is totally. important to people. But as a business owner, it needs to be the least important thing of all time. People care about ego, man. But it, then you're not going to be successful as a business owner. Yeah, maybe. If but that's your primary goal that you're trying to achieve, that you're trying to like check that box of my ego feels good today, you're never going to win. So like one of the things you just mentioned is, is website. Our website probably generates more leads than... Maybe there's three in BC that generate more leads than ours. Maybe we might be number one. I'm not 100% sure. I don't have stats on it. But I still, I think our website fucking sucks. And there's things every single year that me and Jamie are sitting down and like being like, we need to update this. This needs to be better. We need to do more of this, blah, 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 blah. But those are the people that like are really important to talk to if you want to make that jump from mortgage broker to business owner or realtor to business owner or any industry insert here, right? I think for me, it's going to be a very slow transition. I think it's the type of thing where it's not going to be the type of thing where next year you see me with 10 brokers or five brokers. I think it's going to be the type of thing that's going to take years and years and years. It's going to take a shit ton of work. And because of my fear of scaling unsuccessfully, I think it's going to be the type of thing that is what's probably... The, but what's the fear? I, I, I really don't want to sacrifice anyone's experience because like the thing is when okay. we do this every single day, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I understand where you're going, but let me comment a little bit. Is sacrificing experience, understand, this is what I think. I understand that the more people we bring into our organization get 100% a better experience than they would elsewhere. If they can get 85% of what I know in my head. So if I can teach people 85% of what I know, they're going to keep getting better over, uh, over time as long as they're in our team or our system or we're training. Like every Tuesday morning we have meetings and like the first 30 minutes of those meetings is just sharing an example of how, what happened in that week, what the conversations looked like, why we made the decisions we made. It's actually quite interesting and would be a good podcast, but... We don't want to share all that stuff. <laughs> but what you guys talk about? I mean, like we would, it, but it's just like we're, it's personal conversations about like personal transactions. So we can't 
share them? Not here, you mean, yeah, personal information, but you even could share like what you guys talk about because like the but the topics we share on the GD podcast, right? Yeah. So like we really want the industry to be better. But we know for a fact that every listing that we have most of the buyers agents that are coming in have no fucking idea what they're doing. And so the consumers that are working with those buyers agents are getting screwed most of the time. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I I see it in the contracts a lot. Um, it's, it's true because like, yeah, people who are doing five or six deals a year, like they know marginally more about real estate than their client. (laughs) That's, that sucks, man. It sucks. I don't know. It's uh, it's not something that's like really like I think morally like it's almost like a service that like people need to be better educated almost because like the, the decision is such a big one and it's not life or death but it's a pretty fucking big one to buy a, your dream house or not. I think there should be some level of guidance. The interesting thing about our industry is the oh, my legs cramping is the uh, the screw ups are financial and like monetary that are very difficult to like judge like if you buy a home if you bought a home last year pay 1.6 million like you're never ever ever gonna know if you could have got it for 1.55 or if that listing agent that was really 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 good could have sold it for 165 no one's ever gonna know that like you can't buy or sell your house twice that's yeah, what I'm saying right. I hear what you mean. So you can't have two experiences. You can't buy, do time. it in the same market. Rewrite. You can't have. A, yeah, you can't have the same experience at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to like quantify into an actual number. But there are just so many situations where we see like transactions mishandled, whether the negotiations or whether like there's man, there was there was an addendum we saw come back to us on an accepted offer on a house in New West. That was just like, buyer would like $70,000 off on the final day of subject removal. As an addendum? As an addendum. And you call the real, uh, the buyer's agent and you're just like, why? <laughs> it's just like, buyer and seller agree to reduce the price $70,000. And he's like, yeah, the buyer doesn't feel comfortable with that number. So they like to reduce the price $70,000. I can honestly, I've never seen that before as an addendum. Dude, it happens so often. Really? So often. And why the fuck even have an accepted offer? They're just trying to bullshit you. Especially especially in slow markets, there's so many realtors that just don't really understand the process or they're telling buyers that are just like, ah, just accept the offer and we'll uh, renegotiate on the last day. Happens all the time. You're like, ah, sorry, this isn't how it works. Sorry, bro. (laughs) We agreed on land value, which was this number. And now you're asking for $70,000 off? No. He's like, well, they're not going to remove subjects. I said, okay, well, then they're not going to buy a house. Yeah. So the fuck is it? What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> that, was a, that whole thing was made no sense to me. Like, what the fuck? Like, why even have an original accepted offer at a price? For example, if they said, hey, we did an inspection, and there's an old greasy oil tank that we found. You didn't disclose it. We'd like to talk about this. That's one thing. But this is like arbitrary $70,000 off. Oil tanks are obvious things that can be easily discovered prior to accepted offers just for public's record. Okay, let's say it's not This that. is not something that happens in the last day. Be like, oh my God, we found an oil tank. No, the, these things are very public record. It's easy to get a scan. It costs $100. Yeah. 
Totally. But like, it's it just seems like a very silly thing. Like, and where'd you come with 70,000? <laughs> what would you, okay. <laughs> Why not as, 60? Why not 90? Why as not someone who's a mortgage broker, so you're inside the industry, you own home, you've owned a home, you've bought and sold real estate multiple times before. How many, what percentage of deals that have accepted offers remove subjects, in your opinion, do you think? Just random guess. Do you Except have the answer to this? I mean, I know the rough statistic, yeah. Okay, so I would say out of offers that I see come onto my desk. Out of 100 accepted offers, how many remove subjects? Ooh, I want to say like, I want to say like 80, 80%? 65%. Okay. So consumers have this idea that accepted offer means, oh my God, we sold our property. And so it's a constant battle with us as listing agents to be like, manage expectations. Yep, we got the accepted offer. Perfect. We got seven days to remove subjects. That's when we find out if the property sold. Yeah. Let's take a deep breath. Totally. There's going to be a few sleepless nights. We totally understand that. They're going to do the inspection. They may renegotiate for some bullshit that is probably not realistic. We had, man, shit is bananas in Greater Vancouver. People are buying properties, single family homes for $1.8 million. And on the last day, asking for $200 off for some bullshit. It is mind-blowing. Yeah, that's, that's it is mind-blowing. Like, I honestly say I've never seen that either, actually. Man, you gotta follow me around for a day. Because <sighs> it is absolutely outrageous. We had one recently. It's so it was funny like an people... $800,000 condo in Coquitlam. And someone sends us this addendum and being like, the dishwasher, there's a 10-year-old 10, building. $800,000, really nice two-bedroom condo. The dishwasher springs, springs that make the door go up and down, aren't functioning as normal. We'd like $200 off. Oh, my God. Otherwise, we won't move subjects. Fuck you. $200. Dude. Bro, as a buyer's agent, oh my God, that's so if, fucking if a crazy. buyer asked me to send that addendum saying we want $200 off based on an inspection report, I would say, first of all, I'm never using that inspector again. Because they, that is a fucking bullshit inspection. Second of all, no. This is hilarious. You're buying a condo for eight hundred thousand dollars. We're not asking for two two hundred dollars off or eight hundred thousand dollars. We're not asking for two hundred dollars off. I think it has to be. Just, Third of all, I would never, ever, 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 ever write that addendum. That is hilarious. It has I'd just to be, be like, okay, Alex, you'd like to buy this condo. You're really upset about these two hundred dollars. I'll give you two hundred dollars, man. Buy the condo. It's a wicked condo. We got a good deal. Two hundred dollars is not it has changing to your be, life, dude. Some people they have to feel no matter what happens in life that they they have won in some way. They have to feel like it. So if you let, let's use a million dollars for example, why not? It's a fucking townhouse. Million dollars to ask for two hundred dollars off a million. Let's do some math here, okay? Carl, you want to do some math here? What percentage point of zero a million? Point zero 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 two percent. Point zero two. No, 200 on a million? It's a difference of four zeros. Three zeros. Okay, so like so 0. 0.0002. 0. That is what you're, you're fucking going after? So 0.02%. 0. 0.0002. Is that what I said? So you times it by 100 to get a percent, yeah. So it's not 2%. It's not... Well, you're talking in terms of percentage. It's not 2.2%. It's 0.02%. You're going to edit and cut this, right? No. No. Oh, shit. Okay, so wait. I would (laughs) like this to stand as 
mathematical genius, Denny Dumas. Wait, hold on. We're talking about $200 off a million. It's not 0.2%. 0.02% is what I said the entire time. And you said no. And I'm saying 0.002. But then if you're doing percentages, you got to... That was about 100. Thank you. Okay, anyways. <laughs> it's like, it's just a hilariously small thing. It's hilariously small. People win the, like, you know, it's such a crazy... Think of it this way. It is less than half your strata fee per month. <laughs> I know. And it's a million dollars you're talking about. Yeah. It's wild. <clears throat> Man, I don't know. I, th- anyway. I feel like we could, like, we should start so, a couple podcasts. Deange and Denny's food suggestions, Deange and Denny's travel, uh, travel suggestions, and Deange and Denny's nightmares on Elm or on Falcon Street, whatever. Like, like, you know what I mean? Just like the worst transactions ever. So, as we talk about the idea of scaling a business and, and, whether you want to do this solely or bring on people to educate consumers better, this is my idea, is that I can only help 100 people a year. Capacity. Got 100 that. out of 50,000 transactions that happen in Greater Vancouver, most people are getting shitty advice. That's my idea. There are other good realtors in Greater Vancouver, 100%, but we're all doing maximum capacity 100. If we can educate people to treat people better, to get them through the process better, that they can have a better experience and save money. Everyone wins. Yeah, I know. The consumer is getting a better experience. Here's a, and I, me doing 100 versus 500 at 85% is so much better than me doing 100 and the other 400 getting 15, 20, 30%. So if everyone's right? a good realtor, how are you going to smoke everyone in transactions then? There's no such, I mean, that doesn't exist. But if everyone is hypothetically, that's like saying everyone is LeBron James and the best athlete of all fucking time. That's <laughs> such Man, a just dumb thing. Himself to LeBron. I'm not comparing myself to LeBron. The real James. estate. I'm just saying, like, LeBron. you're, you're saying, what if, what if it's mythologically true. we're all hippogriffs and we can all fly? This is right? true. The what if is is amazing. There's that very famous saying. I said this on your podcast before. What if my grandma had wheels? She would have been a bike. <laughs> Grammy? Yeah, if, if you're like, that's the saying. It's an Italian saying. It's if, if grandma had wheels, she would have a bike. The, it, like, it's the, the, another one is like, if my aunt had a dick, she'd be my uncle. It doesn't work so much that in these days, but, <laughs> but, but it did. That was the saying for a long time, right? For 40 years. Um, it's basically saying if, if is, but if, it doesn't make a difference. Okay, so out of that meeting, what else do you want to share? Things that you mentioned you wake, woke up the next morning at 5 a.m. with a shit ton of ideas in your head. Share a few of them. What are you like pumped to implement in 2023? Okay, I'll tell you one thing that's kind of different than what you might expect. I mean, I'm a, dude, I'm, I'm excited about so many things for our team in 2023, and a lot of them you probably wouldn't expect, so like... I just think that businesses are so dynamic and there's so many crazy things that happen behind the scenes that when you tell someone else, like me and Jamie and Monica had a three hour meeting today. And if I told you what it was about, you'd be like, really? You spent three hours on that? Yeah, this was uh, one thing that was really cool was the president, like the CEO of the entire mortgage brokerage was there. Which is Mortgage Architects. Mortgage Architects. And what's that guy's name? Dustin. 
Dustin Woodhouse. Is that guy an OG? That guy is a fucking. He's a. He is like the, the Elon Musk. The Elon Musk mortgage broker. <laughs> Seriously, you should message him and get him on your podcast. I would. I can arrange this if you like. I'd I'll love connect to connect you guys because this guy is really the type of person who, like in banking and finance, I've been in banking since I was 21, so I've been in banking for 12 years. Things can be very black and white. This is the policy. This is the procedure. This is how it's done. This is the lane. You drive on your lane. This lad is like ATV man. Like he's going outside and inside. Like he really is like, he's very creative with his thinking. He's very unconventional with what he thinks. Like if, so someone says something, it's a mastermind. Someone says something. And out of this room, let's say one, there's 10 guys in this room. One guy says something. Let's say seven guys have kind of the same thought about what this person just said. His thought is going to be something completely different and he'll say it and you'll be like, firstly, (laughs) to be honest, my first thought was kind of like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then you think about it and you're just like, wow, like it's just like, so I think that as bankers, we're so like in the norm of, okay, well, A equals B. You put vinegar and baking uh, soda together. You're going to have this, like, this is the, it's always going to happen. What's going to happen, right? This is going to happen if you put these two things together. He's like, well, if you do it like this, maybe it doesn't happen like that. I was like, I can't get into specifics because I want to just respect his privacy and kind of his ideas, which I thought were brilliant. But what I took away from it was like, God damn, like there's so much to learn from people who have been doing this for so long. And this was a person who was an ultra successful broker, like insanely successful broker. He's like, to your point, he's like, I can help out. Let's say for him, you can help out 500 people a year. Or you can start one of the biggest brokerages in Canada and help. And he does classes. He has books. The guy's a fucking, he's switched on. Like he's really, and the thing about him was I heard a lot about him before I met him. I heard a lot about him and I, you hear a lot about someone. It's like, okay, well, I understand that they're a great person, but like, but I was still impressed when I met him, even though the bar was quite high. I, it was really the first time you met him. No, no. I've had conversations with him before. I'm just saying in general, uh, I, you know, when someone is built up, the bar is quite high. It's like if I was to say, hey, Danny, man, go to this movie. It's going to be the best movie you've ever seen. No, and then then Carl says it to you. Then JC says it to you. Devin says it to you. Markman says it to you. You're going to be like, okay, this is going to be the best. And you have this like really high standard. But if you go into that bitch and still think it's like, wow, this is probably the best movie I've ever seen. (laughs) You know, it's quite an impressive feat to be like, wow, that's the best one you've seen, right? Because you've seen a lot of movies. And yeah, it was... uh, but basically what I take away from that is like, man, there's so many ways to shave a kitten. Is that the expression? <laughs> is that it? Uh-huh. There's so many ways to shave a pig. So many ways to shave a cat. I don't think pigs get shaved. I don't think I met a pig hair. and it was hairy. It was hairy? Yeah, like fine hair, but yeah, it was hairy. <laughs> so many ways to shave a kitten. I don't know why I shave. I don't. Oh, fuck. It's so many ways to skin a cat. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, there's so many ways to skin a cat. So anyways, I've been skinning cats one way and like really it was quite interesting. And the thing why this whole thing is humbling is because when you get to a certain point, you think like you, it's like me at 25 finishing university thinking I know everything about life or 24, whatever it was. You think you know everything. Do you think that though? I have had points in my life where I legitimately thought I knew everything. I'm not Hmm. lying. And I did not understand how little I knew. Just, Just this meeting was like, shit, man. 
going, so, so I said, what was it? Five and a half, six hours. That's six hours of my life where I went to thinking I knew 95% to knowing that I knew 5% in six hours of my life. Think about that. This Think about what, how humbling that is. This is why I like podcasts so much because I listen to so many podcasts on hilariously different topics. Like today I listened to one on transgender. I don't I'm know going anything. going on this rabbit hole hey, again. I'm not commenting on it. I just don't know anything about it. And then like a couple days ago, I listened to one on factory farming in the U.S. I don't know anything about it. I know a lot about real estate in greater Vancouver, but I don't know anything about real estate in LA. I don't know anything about real estate in New York. So this is part of the reason for podcasts and why I like podcasts as much is just because you get long form education experience on a specific topic that is like really, really, really interesting. And then you can pick up little things on it, right? When do you listen to podcasts? In the car, mostly. Yeah. Sometimes working out. Depends where I'm working out or what I'm doing. For me, the listening to podcasts is somewhat the issue. So my cousin, Jono, I'm his biggest fan. This guy drives 45 minutes each way to work each day. He listens to podcasts. There you go. Right? I have a mailman named... No. My girlfriend has a cousin who's a mailman. And he listens to podcasts when he works. This motherfucker is getting smarter than everyone because he's studying eight hours a day every day. For me, when I work and I'm like working on files... I'm constantly listening to records just because that's what calms my mind a little bit. How many hours a day do you run your dog? How many hours a day do I run my dog? Two? Z- no. Run Archie? Two hours a day? would be fucking dead. 0.15. No. Hey, it's, it's a 20-minute run every Take morning. Take for 45 minutes in the morning and then 45 <laughs> oh, minutes in the man. afternoon. Dude, that was years ago. <laughs> Buddy, that guy is seven. If I ran for two hours a day, he'd be dead. I ran him at seven o'clock this morning. He's still sleeping. <laughs> he can't do that shit. No, I think that for me, uh, what I like to try to do, and this is something that I'm putting into my, my so uh, in banking, our new year is November 1st. So I am now in 2023. I don't know if you knew that or not. I mean, you're not a banker. But a fiscal, so all, all the shit in my world resets on November 1st. Good thing about running your own business is you get to decide when that year ends. You're, I think you're thinking of tax years. I'm thinking of like corporate years where like a bank will be like, your volume for this year or your... Uh, whatever, like files closed this year or whatever was this amount. That is November 1st and November 1st, regardless of I'm self-employed or not. That's what, it, that's the fiscal year. So one of my things I've been doing in 2023, and this is going to be a very, like, you're gonna be like, well, that's a very niche Alex thing, but I really like to go on like five hour walks by myself and five hour buddy. Ask Carl. I did one. You can see it on my Strava. I did one a couple weeks ago. I think it was like five and a half hours, just a walk. I do it. I like it. So what I do, <laughs> so this is like, like, this will be like a Saturday morning. I'll leave and I'll just walk for like five or six hours. And like, <laughs> Dude, what kind of distance are you covering? Uh, so this kilometers. walk was half marathon, 26, 26 kilometers. Wow. And then I walked up to the top. You want to know where I went? I did the West Canada or that trans Canada trail. So I left my house. So here in like, basically kind of like the hills of uh, Port Moody, Coquitlam walked down to basically the Trans-Canada Trail, walked by the breweries, down Barnett Highway, over the mountain to Lougheed Mall, and then back up down Clark, which goes to North Road and home. It was like, it was like 22 kilometers or something. I think it was like 22 or 24 kilometers. And uh, anyways, long story short about this whole process is I found that's a really good time to like, if, 
if I want to listen to podcasts. No fucking shit, man. You could go through five <laughs> podcasts there. I know. It's really great. Do, do you listen to podcasts? What platform? Spotify? Spotify, yeah. Okay. So do you listen to them in regular time or 1.5 time? The fuck does that even mean? So every podcast I listen to is 1.5 times. So they talk slightly faster. It's sped up. Interesting. No, I definitely listen to okay. it in regular time. So you're going to change. It's, this is going to change your life. So in a five-hour walk, you could literally listen to like three or four Joe Rogan podcasts. But my point, three hours my point on this is that this is a time for me to like, you know, enjoy nature, relax, and clear my head and learn. And I feel like, like if you were to like speed up a song, for example. No, 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 no. I'd be like walking quick up the mountain. It's different. Burning mountain. Da, 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 da. It's like me saying, hey, Alex, how was your day today? Versus, hey, Alex, how was your day today? Okay, I see what you mean. You still hear the exact so same thing? Yeah, we speak less quickly than we comprehend. The pauses are, are more brief. Try it, honestly. Try it tomorrow. Okay. Do you work, do you like exercise most days or how? Mm, I would say that's another week, part of 2023. I'd say no. I went, so my plan was when I moved to Coquitlam, because I live right on the Coquitlam Crunch, I want to do that every day or a couple times a day. But what I found I do is I don't do it for like, a while and then I'll do it like three or four like I'll do it a bunch of times and then I won't be able to walk for like a week but then I'll recover and then I'll do that again I think the healthier method would be to try to do something every day I noticed another thing I noticed about this meeting that I was in just jumping back to that these guys all had very regimented exercise schedules so every single one of them regardless of exercise or anything else exercise client follow ups like process implementation whatever the thing is consistency if you look back like i'll look at myself for example i look back three years from now and look at my instagram the product that was put out on my instagram is cringeworthy versus today and i look at the reels and the stuff that our team is doing and i'm like fuck yeah we're like this is pretty exciting imagine pretty three cool. years it's gonna be exactly so like the consistency of doing something every single day, whether it is one time crunch, 20 minutes up, go home, start to work. Well, that, that's 20 what, minutes times 365 is hilariously important That's what versus doing it three times and then being like, fuck, I'm tired. I'll do it next month. That is exactly what Dustin said. He said that things that are like, like, like things that are, I can't remember how he worded it, but basically any action you put into your business if you treat it like going to the gym, you can go to the gym and you'll have absolutely nothing to show for it. But you do that for a month, there's something to show for it. Do that for a year, there's really something to show for it. Do that for five years, wow. Like look, what, look, look what's happened, right? Have I talked to you about my fitness journey? If we're talking about fitness? Yeah, you worked out every day for a year. 2016, I got fat. Well, 2014, 15, Subjectively 16. fat. In my opinion, there's I got 300 fat. pounders out there that'd be like, fuck off, Danny. For me, for me, right? Like everyone can feel their own shit differently. For me, I went from being a high school, university kid that was very athletic, that was very in shape, that had 6% body fat. I got a test at North Dakota. I was the lowest on the team. Could you imagine that? I was Skinny like white boy from Canada. I, apparently, I didn't eat enough. I don't know. I went from that 185 pounds to being 215, 220, 
and feeling super sluggish, waking up every morning, be like, ah, literally getting out of bed like that, feeling my fucking belly flat fat flop my underwear belt over my jeans or like whatever on the way to appointments in 2017 to being like, fuck it. I can't do this anymore. This is, this feels like garbage. Every single day I wake up feeling like garbage to be like, okay, I'll run for four minutes tomorrow and then six minutes the next day and then six and a half the next day. And then 2019 was like, fuck it. I'll just work it every day. And this is a stupid mental thing, right? I would not recommend this for people. Have you done this before? What you just said? No, the everyday thing for a year. It was stupid. It no, was I've so done dumb. That fucking thing. But in no. my head, it made sense being like, I don't want to be fat anymore. I hate this feeling of this shit. I don't want to be fat. I don't know how to do it. Otherwise, other than just like every day, I have to guarantee that I'm going to do this thing every day. The thing is, everyone will make an excuse of why they can't do it someday. And that day turns into a lot of days, right? It, I think I'm old enough now. People say, I'm sick. I'm not going to do it today. And that, that one break in Jan, uh, February turns into three days in March. I'm hungover in July. That turns into a, a like, you know what I mean? It grows like 100%. If you, if it's, it has to be every day, you can't fucking make an excuse. The hardest day for me was in May. So it was 2019 that I did this stupid thing of working out or running or hiking or all three, which I'll, I would say four out of seven days a week was all three. But each day I had to do 30 minutes of exercise every single day. What was your, um, like, the hardest day was in May. What was your threshold though? Like, what is exercise? Breaking a sweat? Uh, like, it what? doesn't matter. So, this is the thing that people think. Like, they have this fucking image in their head that, like, oh, David Goggins is running three marathons tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not going to fucking do that, obviously. Yeah. But, like, people have He's this stupid image of, like, I need to set this bar so high. Why not tomorrow wake up and be like, I'm going to go for a run for five minutes. Then run. Five minutes. 501. Sweet. Walk back to your house. Go to work. Do it tomorrow morning. I'm going to walk. I'm going to run for six minutes. Like this stupid image of like people following people on social media, these like workout junkies that are hilariously jacked and look like steroid monkeys. It's not realistic, nor is it something that I have any aspiration to be. So it's just like, what does my head tell me I want to do? And all I want to do is feel better the next day. That is why it's shocking when people, this is something that's actually shocking to me, when people make fun of fat people who are working out. I think it's a fucking hilarious thing to do. If some fat guy is at the gym or some fat guy is running up, people will be like, hey, there's a fat guy running. Who's making fun of fat people? People do this shit. Insecurity. People do this shit. I think it's it's the most hilarious thing to do. When I see a fat guy running up a hill, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Like, I need to run up a hill. Like, that is an awesome thing. It's motivating. It's motivating for everyone. Like, everyone who sees that's like, okay, well, either like, I don't understand people who shit on stuff like that. It's so weird. It's such a weird thing because I see it online sometimes. People making fun of fat people working out. It's such a weird thing. Like this is a person who's actively making their life better. And for them, it's harder than it is for you. And they're still doing it. And you're making fun of that. But what's most of social media? Because you're saying bullshit. online, it's online is bullshit. social media. Yeah. It's most of social media is insecurity. Mm-hmm. Most of social media is saying like, look at me in the bikini. I look awesome. I need, I need people like me for me to feel better. I know it's myself, fucked right? up, man. That's why I have to unfollow people, man. That's why people are making fun of fat people is being like, you're not, you don't look as good as me. And the fat person's like, well, I'm doing more exercise 
today than you are. So I'm uh, making more progress. I, I get it, are. man. I, I, it, it's something that it's like going back to the coffee peanut butter thing. Third baffling thing is people making fun of fat people working out. I don't get it. Every time I see a fat person working out, I'm like, that is fucking sweet. I need to go work out right now. Cause I think that they're like, they're, it's so much harder for them. And like, there are so much, like if I'm self-conscious about what I can do mm. and they're doing it, like what the hell right do I have? It's very motivating. I really like it. Anyway, Man, we've so, really bounced around on this mm, podcast. Like, after, holy shit. I know. After <laughs> 2019, where I told myself I was doing 30 minutes a day for the, for the entire year, I adopted this thing that I had to, I had to work out. I had to push myself for 20 minutes per day. And this sounds so small, right? 20 minutes and 24 hours is not that much time. But, and I t- told also tell myself that I can take one to two days off per week and be totally fine. So usually it's Sunday for me, NFL's on. I like watching Seahawks. This is my thing. You like watching soccer on Saturday, I don't know, mostly Saturdays? Whenever it's on. Whenever it's on. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. For me, it's Sundays, NFL's on. I like sitting on the couch watching NFL. There's work shit that comes up. Mostly it's on my computer, but I'm on the couch. So I tell myself that 20 minutes per day is the absolute minimum that I can spend exercising. And in the last, since 2019, so 2020, 2021, three years, I find that that is a really good balance for me. That minimum 20 minutes, but sometimes it's an hour and 20 minutes. Sometimes it's 21 minutes. But that's the minimum that I will try to push myself physically, whether it's lifting weights, going for a run, bike on the echelon thing that we have, or whatever. And like that is a super good balance to keep me kind of like maintaining. Yeah, I think that... I think that you're a little bit fucked to be completely honest with you. Like no one's going to just automatically be like, I'm going to work out every single day for a year and be able to do that. I think that most people will have a different approach to it. So this is coming from, I'm just saying most people are going to have a different approach. This is coming from you talking about consistency from Dustin and McFadden and the people that you met with last Thursday. Mostly Dustin was talking about his consistency. Yes. Yeah. But look at any successful person in any industry of all time. What is the common denominator? I would say work ethic, which I guess would maybe go consistency. Consistent consistency is the is the common denominator. You can work really hard for twenty four months and then fuck off, and your business goes to shit. Okay, right? I meant w- consistent work ethic. Consistency is the first word you said there. <laughs> okay. But th- I agree with that. That's yeah. it for anything in life, man. Like in a personal relationship, in like your relationship with your kids. If you treat them like gold for three days and then you're like, fuck it, I want to go away with my friends and golf for two weeks and then I'll come back and I'll be your best friend. Your kids are going to be like, why'd dad go away for two weeks? You know, like. Argument to not have children. Same as a business, same as uh, anything. Yeah, I agree. Consistency is definitely important because things are not an immediately gratification, right? Almost nothing's immediate gratification. Name one thing that is immediate. Drugs. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> that is what drugs are. It's an immediate gratification of the work, right? It's an, that's what they are. That's literally the definition. Like, that is what a drug is. You get an immediate gratification by somehow altering. You know what I mean? Am I getting too spacey here? But like, that's no, no, what no, it no. does. 
That's what the, the point of it is, right? Gratification. Or the, like you could run a marathon and get a runner's high or you can do drugs. You know what I mean? You could, does that make sense? That's why drugs exist. It's immediate gratification <laughs> for things that take work. That take work. Yeah, I'm trying to bring it back to reality, though. So I think that's your very realistic. Carl, looking at first base here. Is that a good point? I think so. Sounds good. I'm pretty sure that is the definition of immediate gratification. It's just people who use drugs. That's what the point of them is. That's the whole point of the whole thing. Yeah, I'm trying to like. There's no rebuttal to that, buddy. <laughs> I'm just trying to articulate why or how what's the what's the goal right like the goal for me probably not to do drugs is like happiness and success what does that look like for me so for me is like running an awesome business where the people that i work with every day are um excited about being there are i really enjoy being around and enjoy like sharing ideas with and i and we are like working towards this idea of providing consumers in real estate, obviously within my industry of getting a better experience and a better outcome than they would elsewhere. The fitness thing for me is like feeling better about my body when I wake up in the morning, not feeling like, oh man, it's 7am, my alarm just went off. That is honestly this a feeling I don't, I don't understand. Hurts. Even if I'm not in good shape, I don't get the people who just, they wake up and they just cannot like... I don't know. Kids, they jump out of bed like a bat out of hell, right? Ooh, let's go. There has to be some purpose, right? So I guess the drug thing, I mean... I think that's a it's valid never, point. I think it's a valid point. That it's is a, a valid point. But what does it get you to, right? That was There's the no point. progress. Yeah, no, I, I didn't say that. I said that what is... How do you get your... Immediate was, gratification. Immediate total. gratification. That is how you do it. Without, without... But for what purpose? That's, I guess, the, the purpose of immediate gratification. That's the purpose. Yeah, but you're not, you're not progressing in any way. Of course not. Right? You're actually regressing. So, like all the things we're talking about, all the things that we are trying to implement in our own lives, whether it be like daily activity, daily processes that are making our businesses better in five years from now than they are today, uh, whatever, are on the idea that we're progressing and every day we're waking up and we're excited and we have some sort of purpose to move forward. This, I mean, like <laughs> other than liquor and marijuana, caffeine, I guess. Sugar. Sugar's Sugar. a motherfucker, man. I guess tobacco. What, what, what's the point? What are you asking? No, like drugs that I've actually consumed. Oh, like I've oh, never consumed okay, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. cocaine. So I didn't know where you're going I've with that. You're like consumed. just naming drugs. I was like, what the fuck's he naming drugs for? <laughs> okay, okay. Now I get it. Yeah. Opiates. Yeah, like, I've never, never smoked meth either. But I, <laughs> okay, sorry. I didn't know where you were going with that. I was like, okay, yeah. So so basically, your main ones are going to be like uh, marijuana, like or just things that I've consumed. That's all I'm. Like, okay, I get tra- that. talking about. Okay, like, I've never consumed heroin. I don't know what that high is like. Nor do I want to experience that because I've seen so many people that have gone down that path and just like, it's just a downward spiral. It's not a good one. Yeah. It's not a good one. I, would I say, like the upward spiral. So I would like my thing to go like that. The thing though is it's so like, fuck. It's we're so talking much- about the processes and the daily consistency of physical slash business stuff. 
Yeah, the thing is, though. And then you mentioned drugs, and I just. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Immediate gratification, great. But what is that getting you? So, wait, I think, okay, to summarize this entire fucking ridiculous conversation, this is the point <laughs> of this, okay? You're saying that consistency builds something that creates end words gratification. It might not be immediate, but you work out every it's day. It's never the, immediate. It's never immediate, but you do a consistency, you get gratification. And then you asked me, and this might be from like something I've seen today, literally online, <laughs> what is immediate gratification? I probably watched some drug addict being like, drugs are immediate gratification. And to me, that makes sense because like, there's no consistency. There's no work ethic. Like it, it's so much harder to, again, as I said earlier, to do shit, to get shit, than to just get shit without doing shit. Just getting shit is, is to, you gotta do shit to get shit. So if you want a feeling of like euphoria, let's call it euphoria. Let's call it high as fuck or euphoria. You want an, a great feeling. You can either work really hard to get that, right? Really hard and climb the mountain, run the marathon, you know, build a company. Like you get this euphor euphoric feeling. And it's just like these drugs in your head that are just being like, you know, like these like serotonin, dopamine, whatever it is. Boom. Great. That takes a lot of work. Or people achieve those by doing drugs. That was my point about what is immediate gratification. That is what that is. Remember our conversation, was it yesterday or two days ago in our- Oh, we got to this job? point. But Talk, what? Talking about happiness. and like that was, that was last night. Chasing happiness or achieving happiness or like defining it. And what does that look like for each person? And it's that was different. last night. And it's, yeah, yeah. And it's different for everyone. But I think the important thing is trying to define that. And what does it look like? And for me, the comment that I made was like, I firmly believe that my happiness or the idea of my happiness only comes with sacrifice. So I'm willing to sacrifice some years of my life to get to a level that can then produce the love, the ideas of my happiness. Whereas this like drug, you mentioned, we don't, we shouldn't talk about drugs too much, but like, man, we've kind of gone on about it already enough. I think <laughs> like can't really pull back from that. I just don't have any experience. So I can't I understand. But what you're saying is though, but first you have to understand. I'm saying it. like trying to produce long-term happiness. First you have to understand your definition is super subjective, right? I know people in my life who literally their happiness put this motherfucker in a field with butterflies and they'll just sit there and they'll be happy as shit. And that's their happiness. It's so subjective. My, my, fucking no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> see what I mean? This, see, I wasn't that far off. But um, my opinion, my, my thoughts on what we're talking about, we're jumping around a lot, but my thought on chasing happiness is I felt that I have, what I do is I create uh, a finish line of where I say, I just get there, I'll be happy. And then I get there and I'm happy for a week. And then I look up, I caught my breath, and the finish line's 10 miles away. So this and, is this the is, problem. and this has been happening for, for 15 years. This is the problem with a lot of people though. Yeah. Is the finish line idea is, is uh, it's flawed. The idea that there is constant progress and just, understanding that like this is the next step I want to get to. So like we've talked about this so many times on the podcast is like my thought of there's a hundred steps in your life. And when we started this podcast, I remember saying I'm on step three and people I was talking to Steve Ennis, maybe like one of those early, early, God early days him. podcast. I think he was podcast number three. 
And he's like, what does that even mean? Like, you're selling a lot of real estate. You're doing really well. Like, what, are the, what, what do you mean step three? Like, well, there's a fuck ton of things I'd like to achieve still. And it's just like this constant, like, step up. What's the next thing? And the next thing doesn't have to be more money or more success. But the next thing should always be, like, more fulfillment, more passion projects, more happiness. Mine is always, whatever. my thought is, if I just, if I just blank, if I just. But that's such a bad way to think about it. Dude, tell me about it. Fuck, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting this for anyone. I'm just saying, this is what we're talking about happiness and chasing happiness in this conversation we had. My issue is, if I just blank, then blank. If I just, uh. It could be anything. It could be uh, like a monetary goal. It could be a career goal. It could be relationship goal. If I just uh, spend more time with my family, I will be satisfied. Mm. Reach that goal. Okay. Now look ahead. Okay. If I just get this little nicer car, I think I'd really have more fun. Okay. Well, there you go. If I just was a better golfer and I practiced more and I could shoot 76. I think I'd be satisfied with my golf game. Okay, well, that's done. Now you look up. And it's, and it's like the thing every time you look up, it's like, what the fuck is this? I just, I just reach my if I just. Mm. And it's just more, right? There's no, there's no monet, there's no momentary, like the fulfillment is always like five or six days. And then it's, well, now if I just what? You know? So I think it's okay to it's have very unsatisfying that thought process. Feeling. I think it's okay to have that thought process if you are thinking about it the right way. If you think about the, the end thing. But what is the end thing? No, no, no. But if that's what you're picturing, if that's what, if you're picturing the end thing is the nice car and I work my ass off every single day for five years and I save up enough money and I do enough mortgages or whatever. And then I buy that car. It's over immediately. The monetary things are the easiest ones. Those are the easy, like that's the easiest because it's so subjective, right? Or objective. But if the end not the end thing, but if the idea, and this is what I'm trying to design my like future life around. And I, I say this often in my friend groups, but I don't know if I've ever explained it. And I, I've said it to you for sure, but like, I'm trying to build my own little paradises. I've said this before, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know what it means? Have I ever explained it to you? I feel like for you, this is getting kind of deep here. I know that we're running almost an hour over here. When you got to leave. Yeah, 44 minutes ago. That's fine. <laughs> um, I think when you say paradises, I kind of think you mean safe spaces, like places it's where not, I, you're not, no, you're it's happy. not safe. Like, safe for me is irrelevant and it doesn't really make don't sense. Don't use it I, as the 2020 like, like word it is, like go to a safe space. No, don't no, use it like that. Know, use no, it as no. like a, a place where you know you're going to be good. That's it. So th- these are the reasons that I'm building these paradises is, is, they're the places that long-term I see myself spending a lot of time. So one is the place that I live and sleep every night, which is now here in Port Moody. And, and I found this place that faces trees that every time I look outside, I just feel like, huh, I'm in the middle of nowhere. This Man, is there is fucking, value in that shit. I gotta be honest. This is the best place yeah. in the world. I fucking love facing like, trees. I feel like I'm in Whistler. And I remember growing up going to Whistler like often to ski or whatever. And I remember looking out at the trees and mountains and just being like, man, this is so peaceful. This is so chill. And so this is what, this is one of my little paradises is this little place 
Poor Moody. That is facing trees. Yeah. That every time I get home, I walk in the door and I feel like. For me, I, I my word is a safe space. That is a safe, that is a place where you know you're good. You got the trees, you got that fucking monkey, this guy, you got this shit, it's right? Chester, Chester. Chester. Fucking, he fucks. And the up boot here. upstairs. You know, you got these things that are your things that you've carried around everywhere you've gone. You're, you know, it's a safe thing. And then so you can go on. Like, what's what's another place that is like like uh paradise? So I've currently built two paradises. Built one paradise for myself in Port Moody here at this house that I feel very chill when I get home. And the other place is the Palm Springs house that I feel every single fucking time. And I've gone there 35 times in my life. Every time I get off the plane and I walk through that little underpass that says Palm Springs Airport or what Palm Springs International, the man is or whatever the hell it says. The man is Every up. single time I walk through it, I feel chill i yeah. feel relaxed i get it and for the entire time i'm there i work most days i answer emails most days i'm on the phone I, with clients most days i'm on the phone with my team every single day and but every single day at the end of the day i'm like this is the best place in the world i also i agree with that but also note that you are picking as your paradises or your safe spaces or whatever you want to call let's call them your paradises okay you're picking physical locations where if you want to even expand that to the next level it could be like a relationship or something that is not a physical location as a paradise. It doesn't have to be a physical thing. It could be a mental thing, emotional thing. That's an even another level. I fucking love Palm Springs. You know, when you talked about, I was just having a conversation with someone who just landed there and their words were like, how cool is it when you walk into the airport? And everyone knows that feeling everyone of going to that airport, it. right? Like that open airport where there's just the canopy. Everyone knows who's been there knows what that feels like. You know that you're just going to be able to just fucking kick it. But those are all like physical spaces. I think it'd be interesting for you to try to like capture where non-physical locations are your paradises. But this is the cool thing about different people is that you get to decide what those things are for you. Yeah, they're totally subjective. Right? It could be uh, like for a year, for uh, maybe six months. For six months, it was the top of Seymour Pump Peak hike. I remember that. I remember that. I did it 23 times in a month. I remember that. Yeah. I just like sitting at the top. Every morning I would go there at like 10 o'clock. I would walk up the stupid mountain. I would sit there and I would answer emails for one hour and eat lunch. I did it. I'd I bring did lunch. Yeah. And that was like a happy place for me. But it's really cool to like go through your life. That was, I don't know, 28 or eight years old maybe. Now I'm 33. And it just keeps evolving. It has. It and changes. Just, like, Totally. Find different For me, things. When I was a kid, when I was younger, it was Nova Scotia. That's where my mom's from. Used to love it there. Then, like, there's even like friends, like close friends, like Callum Ross. Like being at his house was always a very like I knew there, like it was always a very happy place where I can enjoy myself. Um, being in the heights was always like a paradise, you know. Being in the Tri-Cities, I think right now is kind of my ultimate paradise. But but okay, for example, like this, these lads that are surprising marker tonight their house in london that is a new one like it's shifted from nova scotia to this place in england it's very it's very fluid right it doesn't exist forever but i do think it's very valuable to have those places i feel sorry for people who don't have somewhere to turn somewhere to go something to do some you know must be a very isolating feeling it doesn't have to be expensive though right like for me the first one 
coming out of the divorce bullshit relationship was fucking Seymour hike. Yeah, I hear you. That's it. So I did it like it one time. I was like, man, I feel good up here. I'm yeah. going to come back here. That's how it makes you feel. And I went back twice and I was like, I'm going to come back tomorrow. I got to say, man, even though you tomorrow. call them paradises, I really do want to say like being, I, I want to say like safe place. It's has been safe. You know, I know safe but place has been so mind, discounted because of what people be like, oh my God, he's upset. Put him in the safe room. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like that. Like a safe place can just be some place that you feel like you can just like, you're good. That's all it is. You're just, you're good. You don't have to worry about bullshit. You're on Seymour. I remember, remember that big ass raven that was up there. Like, hey, there's a fucking raven. Oh my god, there's some snow. This See, guy's, you know? this is why I don't say safe because those ravens are terrifying. Yeah, they're pretty dodgy. Dude, right? They will. If you big. take a quick nap up there, they will eat your skull. They're big. They're. I don't know about eat your skull, but they'll definitely steal <laughs> a scone. <laughs> hey man, I got a jet. Okay, let's go till eight. Now it's nine. Oh, goodness. We should do a part two, but I think we should focus a lot on food and business and less on <laughs> drugs. Like, we spent an hour and a half on food. Less on drugs. Yeah, less on drugs. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Deal. Okay, let's do it. Thanks for coming, buddy. Thanks, man. I didn't really know where this one was going tonight. It really did bounce all over the place. This is the best part about the podcast. It really went everywhere. I never know where they're going to go. This Neither is part I. of, you call it a safe space, this is a paradise. The podcast fucking studio down here. With the future feature wall, we... Uh, what is that going to turn into? This is a safe space down here. But what is this wall? Sorry, why this did you paradise. do this? What is this? Because we got the feature wall over there. It's going to be up. Carl, is Carl doing that? Jesus. We just need some free time. <laughs> I know, it's a lot of work. It's a busy time of year. It's quite the studio you have down here now. We're getting there. I was thinking on my drive over here. It's only a four-minute drive. But <laughs> the first podcast we did was... The first podcast we did was... Um, I did one at your G&D office for the four growler challenge. You unplugged it? I had to unplug it. I'm sorry. <sighs> I'll turn it on for you after. It's okay. Yeah, I think I've seen it. Have you? Oh. The first podcast I did with you was me, you, and Steve, the four growler challenge. That was at G&D office. That was the first one? I think so. I thought we did one before that. Mean, just me and you. Maybe at Buchanan. So there's Buchanan. So there's two podcast locations. Then we did So the we w- started at Carl's condo in Coquitlam. So I never did one at Carl's condo. Okay. I did one at your office in new west Definitely. i did one at buchanan i did one at port moody yeah uh the townhouse that's st george and then i did one here now is there any missing i no. think i think you've hit all the locations except for your condo even, right 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 there uh, was only two. like 10 maybe, maybe yeah maybe less than it wasn't 10. yeah I think it was... Well, Carl, you should kick your tenant out and we can fucking... <laughs> set, set, the condo. set that up. Uh, Sean Francis was there. Steve. Uh, Lucas. Lucas McCann oh, the, was there. Oh, geez, man. Uh, I know. God, those are good ones. There wasn't many. Mm, no. I think we started doing in the Buchanan condo pretty... Or, no, G&D, we started doing... G&D, in, yeah. Yeah, the, anyway. All right. Okay, let's get cool. out of here. Okay. D'Ange, I love you. Love Thank you, buddy. for coming back. You will be back very, very, very soon. You are a man... That knows how to do mortgage. And recommend restaurants and sandwiches. Yeah. And Thai places. And Vietnamese places. Yeah. You're a good fucking friend, too. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you. Empty boxes now. (laughs)